Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Top Shelf Comic Book Club podcast. My name is Steve Say, and joining me this evening, talking comics legend, podcast co-host, writer, editor, and human comic book encyclopedia, Mr. Bob Ryer. Thank you for that stirring introduction. I'll give you the $5 later. <laughs> <laughs> and in this corner... Talking Comics alum, podcaster, stylist, super mom, and founder of Mega Nerd Media, Melissa Megan. Hello, hello. Hello. And finally, Talking Comics' own fantasy travel agent, podcaster, scientist, and currently concussed fan of the word philatelist, Miss <laughs> Bronwyn Kelly. I do love that word a lot. Hello. Good evening. <laughs> So, hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the podcast. You've been asking us to come back with a book club style thing for how long now, Bob? Three years and some change. Perhaps? Yeah, it really has been that long, hasn't yeah. it? So, uh, so we've heard your cries, your, your, your cries for more of us, your cries for more in-depth conversation about books. And uh, here we are. It's going to be a monthly podcast. I got it right this time. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Every month we're going to pick a book, we're going to, you know, sift through it, pick it apart, and really just explore every aspect of not just the book, but also the themes uh, surrounding that book. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, just want to say at the top of the show, thank you very much uh, for joining us, especially for this first episode. First episodes are always special. And uh, speaking of special, I want to give a special shout out also to Ryan Megan, who is the orchestrator of our opening theme which was awesome. It was awesome. A little That's bit very of very nice of you. Yeah, man. A little bit of reading Rainbow in there. A little bit of jazz. <laughs> yeah. It's good times. It's good times. We feel very special. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I figure, you know, for for every podcast that Talking Comics ends up presenting, you know, usually you have a couple of people floating in from different places to uh, to be in on it. And you might not be familiar with either us or with uh with some of the co-hosts so i think we're going to go around the table and just kind of let you know who we are how, we're, how we got here and uh our measurements or something like that i don't know <laughs> oh yeah. hell no long walks no. long no. walks on the beach then <laughs> bring a tent for all you xkcd fans out there <laughs> so um of course i'm steve say comic books uh talking comics podcast mm -hmm. uh talking games podcast you bunch of other stuff too a lot of podcasts yeah and uh i've been with the website yeah more than more than five years we're nearly to five five years of episodes right we're at 244 yeah. five somewhere in there i feel like a plane that's on fire right now and this was such a terrible idea for me to try to introduce myself like this <laughs> yes you should have one of Don't us forget. Yeah. don't forget your wonderful work at joe blow and your ink and pixel oh my god that's right <laughs> see you need melissa i need everybody to, to to course correct me on this uh this thing so uh i should probably tell you what we're we're gonna be uh talking about tonight yes sure don't introduce anybody else no one cares, <laughs> cares about the rest of us this is why nobody would let me host a show uh, yeah so you're, you're in charge no we talked wanna... about steve move on no That's it. <laughs> nothing else to see here bob Tell me about yourself. Uh, I was born on a small island. 
Well, it was, it's, it's, a, it's a small island, Long Island, in, in its own stupid way. I've, I've been reading comic books since I could read, basically. And even saying that, I refuse to be part of the Talking Comics podcast when we started. <laughs> just because. It wasn't the company. It was we were just covering one kind of books. And I won't say what kind of books those were. <laughs> and I got asked on as a guest. I had a great time. And some people actually tolerated my crap. So it was good when I got asked back permanently. And now they can't get rid of me, like the man who came to dinner. <laughs> only, I did, I did, only I didn't have to break my leg to stay. So how many shows you're now doing the D and D podcast? Well, I'm dead already though, so we'll see how that works. I oh. I got killed on the first episode. <laughs> My health went to nothing. Oh man. It's Tell about... me you have a healer. I do have a healing spell, apparently, but I don't think I have enough power to use it yet. You're too <laughs> you're too dead to use it? I think so. <laughs> Nice. Look, I wanted to be a human character, and I wanted to be, like, smart and not a big, giant tank. And so even after I sort of killed somebody, he w didn't stay dead. <laughs> Hopefully you won't either. <laughs> I, you, you never know. It's kind of fun. I don't have to worry about things. I can, I can be nearly dead while they carry me around and stuff. Yeah, so we He's did only mostly dead. Yeah. Not quite dead. <laughs> Amazing. I've... I wasn't quite dead yet. I'm, I'm feeling better. <laughs> Four hours to bury a cat. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so we, yeah, we 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 are doing that, and it's sort of like this. Actually, it's that's why I decided to do it. It's our, it was our original show, the Fanboy Remix. So it's sort of a reunion. So it is. The late Bobby Shortle, at least late of talking comics. <laughs> Bobby Shortle. <laughs> he's, uh, only, he's only been off talking comics for, what, three episodes now? And he's yeah. late already? Yes, he's already late. <laughs> but he was just so, you know, missing doing something, I guess. We needed four more shows to do, so there's that. <laughs> and Jackie Turner from Steve's Talking Games. Mm -hmm. And Brian Verderosa, who was part of Talking Movies. Loves accents. Loves accents. <laughs> Does them about as well as I do. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's actually very good at it, as long as it's an English accent. Mm. <laughs> ish. So yeah, ish. Yeah. <laughs> so so when's, when's the next time you're getting together to record more of that? We're doing a mini cast or something this Thursday, is my understanding. Okay. Because Jackie is away. Oh. She's over on Fire Island. That's it's, right. It is Luke's that. birthday tomorrow. Sweet. So that is, so it'll be three of us, and we're, we're doing a, like a spinoff. Brian and I are going to, I don't know, describe how our characters met. Isn't there, there's a script and everything? Well, there's a dungeon master. Is that how you describe yes. the person running it? Yes. We have one of those, and he's going to try to push this in certain directions. Excellent. Excellent. I, I can't wait to he, hear it. I don't think either Brian and I like being pushed very much, so we'll see. Uh -oh. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how this breaks down into chaos. Hold on to your saving throws. Yes. <laughs> Melissa. Hi. What have you been up to lately? You've been a uh, little little busy I've over been there. Really busy. Yeah, what have um, you been doing? Um well, I guess should I talk about talking comics probably first, huh? Sure. I've been I think I started with talking comics around like 2012 to doing reviews and stuff like that. And I've written a few columns over the years, nurture versus nature. And, uh, now I do a, a fun, uh, 
column over there about doing interviews with people who have really intense personal connections with various characters. Bronwyn was featured in one of my articles. Yay! <laughs> yeah, so um, I did the Misfits for a few years, and since that disbanded, um, I actually started up my my own podcast called The Sirens of Scream, which awesome. is all, all horror. Yeah. Yeah, it's me and uh, two other lovely ladies. Um, we just talk about everything horror in pop culture. Comics, movies, TV. Um, and then my husband and I recently started up our own kind of uh, geek website called Mega Nerd Media. So I'm just getting involved in everything. Yeah. <laughs> I want it all. <laughs> right. Take over the internet. Yeah, and these crazy people... for. For some reason wanted me involved in this book club <laughs> it's because we love you yeah you have so much to offer i one of your episodes recently talked about one of my favorite comic series of recent vintage which is clean room yeah oh, i love oh. that i'm so addicted yeah. oh my goodness yeah i can't even <laughs> i wish i could just find more places to talk about it just so i could talk about it more yeah often i can yeah. i can make that happen yeah. <laughs> Podcast number five on the way. Yeah, just kidding. We could call it the clean room. Well, the three of us, right? Well, the three of us will sit around and discuss each issue. Yeah. When is um? When is the, the second arc for that wrapping up, or is it done? Uh, it is just issue ten last week. Okay. So uh, DC does all sorts of things, so it could be soon, or it or could, it be, could be six months from now. Yeah. Okay. All right. I have a signed um, script number one uh, from Clean <laughs> Room, and it is effing phenomenal. Yeah. It's so good. Oh my goodness! It's just, I was talking to uh, Gail Simone at um, Niagara Comic Con about that one, and uh, she, I was telling her about how I'm a little bit, um, I love horror, but I have a maybe slightly overdeveloped willing suspension of disbelief. <laughs> and so I tend to, um, well, Steve watches movies with me to some, on some regularity and I end up crawling into his hoodie while he's oh. wearing it a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, I get very excited. And <laughs> yeah, so she signed it with, uh, sorry for the potential nightmares. And it did, I, it took me a while to get through, mm -hmm. but, like the whole first trade of clean room, but it's so good. And reading it compared to the, um, compared to the script is incredible. It's the script is so detailed. Ah, see things you find out here. <laughs> yeah. It's so brilliant. I'll have to bring it for you, Bob. It's incredible. Yeah, definitely want to take a look. We've been trying to get her on the show on talking comics for quite some time. Maybe we have a new in I, uh, through Bronwyn. I smell she a future episode of, uh, the book club podcast. Yeah. yeah. I'll see if I can get in touch with her. her husband actually did say that if he if we wanted her on the show that uh we could just ask because that she'd be willing to do it. So I uh, she's oh. super busy, but he did yeah. They did say and you know they did say we were family now because we'd exchanged pictures of our pets. It was a touch uh, um, yes. <laughs> she she was big into greyhounds, right? She was had yes. rescue greyhounds yeah. for the longest yes. time. It's just so yeah. lovely. They were quite beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so Bronwyn, uh, this is your first, like, official official podcast under Talking Comics. You've guested before, 
on the Misfits, and you were there for our 200th. Mm-hmm. Yep. But how how does it feel to have arrived? It feels pretty special. It does. It feels very special. I feel like I finally made it. You know, I'm I'm I've been brought up to the show. <laughs> we like you. We're we really brought like up you. to the major leagues. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've been, I've been, I've been fine-tuning my game in the minors, but uh, now I'm in ready for the big leagues. <laughs> of I course, I feel uh, extra special just saying that having arrived means podcasting with us. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's true. It's true. I mean, come on, let's get serious about this now. <laughs> I feel a little bit bad that I, uh, I've made it to the show and I'm on the injured list already, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so tell us uh, a little bit about what's going on with you lately, but also tell us uh, what it is that you write for the site. Uh, okay, well, yeah, so what I write for the site is my uh, my fantasy travelogue. Um, you know, so I, well, unfortunately, I'm a little bit behind because, you know, on one of my travels, on my many and varied travels in the fantasy worlds that I like to go and visit, I in <laughs> encountered a head injury and <laughs> can no longer work on computers. <laughs> So there is no no describing of my travels currently. Hmm. Um, but no, I I go to many a travel, many a uh, fantasy world, and I describe the uh, adventures that are to be had there for any of our readers who would like to maybe visit some of these places, like you know, Los Angeles with Buffy in 1994, or Sunnydale if you'd like to visit that with Buffy. <laughs> Or, <laughs> you know, if you want to go to Tokyo and hang out with uh, Wayward for uh, the comic book readers there or whatever you would like to do. So that's that's my writing for the site. But All you have to do is go to the last door on the left. Exactly. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Little plug right there. I like it. Thanks, Bob. Uh, no problem. So uh, go ahead. That's what I've been doing lately. That's a big old nothing because <laughs> I'm not allowed to do anything because I was playing ball hockey because I'm fully Canadian <laughs> and I took a stick to the head oh. and I have a moderately severe concussion and I am working on my fourth week of aggressive rest which sounds way more fun than it is. <laughs> yeah, also an oxymoron, isn't it? Right? That, that sounds amazing to me right now. I would love to do some aggressive rest. Yeah, I yeah. could yeah. I could work my way up into that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it 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 honestly it did. It sounded it sounded pretty pretty good at first and now it's like wanting to tear my face off like it's just so it's no TV, no movies, no reading, no moving dark room with your eyes closed as much as possible no screens no no nothing <laughs> wow yeah and that gets pretty old pretty quick dark room is kind of tough to do at your place with all those skylights yes <laughs> there's a skylight in every room <laughs> there you go so, now here out uh, here uh, out by us in patchog across from our favorite place reese's yep they've opened a flotation spa what yes <laughs> i was yes. actually bob you totally read my mind i was just about to bring that exact same thing up yep a friend of um, mine just opened a business too uh and we actually have appointments to go on sunday and i've never done it before that sounds like fun yeah 
I want to go. It's sensory, yeah, sensory deprivation, completely what? relaxed. Pretend yep. you're pretend you're Daredevil in the you know Ben Affleck movie. Oh my God, this is across from Reese's. Across from Reese's, and it's next to a new ice cream parlor. So Yo. you you could have you know have a Manhattan, go relax a little, have some ice cream, go home. I it's... am going to Padjog either tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to walk past this place and get the number. It's something that was really big in the 60s, but people used to do acid and do it to, you know, transcend and all that. And now you just do it to meditate and find peace. So indeed, we'll see how we'll see how it works. I'm going to try it on Sunday. I'll give you my review. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, no, I definitely want to hear about that for sure. I figure a nice Bloody Mary and some relaxation would be great. All right, so uh, we should probably try get not down to, to say business. Bloody Mary <laughs> over and over again, because then she might visit you in the tank. Yeah, it's just like it's like <laughs> oh Candyman, right? You say it three times and she appears. She appears Yikes. in the reflection of the water. Yeah, and yeah. Just, like pulls you under. Oh, I could totally see it. Anyway, we should write that. We should. We should write it. <laughs> so, after all that banter, uh, welcome to the book club. We are talking about Black Magic Volume One: Awakening, and this is from published by Image Comics. And it is written by Greg Rucka. The art is done by Nicholas Scott with color assists by, oh boy, here we go. First one. Shiara Arena. There you go. Shiara Arena and letters by Jody Wynn. Uh, also covers by Nicholas Scott with Eric Troutman, which are, if you've ever seen the covers for this uh, comic book series, they are absolutely just gorgeous. So cover gallery in the trades, by yeah. the way. Yeah, I definitely want you to talk about that that oh, huge at, version yeah. that you have for sure. Uh, so Black Magic is a story about a woman named uh, Rowan Black, young woman who works for the Portsmouth PD, and she gets called in on a mysterious uh, hostage situation and comes to find out that nefarious forces that are part of uh, ancient witchcraft have basically come back to her town and they are snooping around and kind of looking around for uh for rowan and she just winds up getting caught in this crazy crazy back and forth of spells and deception and magic and it's just completely awesome and uh i thought we would open up the discussion to the floor if anybody wants to jump in with uh general thoughts uh ladies either one of you want to go first sure um in terms of general thoughts for me i uh I started with um, the art. Uh, I wasn't super familiar with Nicola Scott, but I have to just praise her right off the bat. Like, I just am a fan. I I thought her style was incredible and really well suited to the story. Um, she just the grayscale and the black and white with just pops of color really, really, really worked for sort of the dramatic tone of the story. And her level of, like, the depth of detail um in the art style really worked i was really impressed especially um, by the way she depicts and captures facial expression it just is really communicative um i just it felt like all of the people were not just through greg Rucka's um uh dialogue but also really very much through nicholas scott's art were communicating in every kind of um page and every every depiction. Um, I thought that, well, I'm a big Greg Rucka fan. I have to admit like he's, he's one of my favorite writers. So right off the top, I'm going to gush. Um, 
he, I find that every story I've ever read by him is a complete story. Nothing is ever dropped. He keeps all of the balls in the air story-wise and every one of them ends up being quite critical. So there's no wasted dialogue. There's no wasted words. Everything means something. So everything you're reading just really feels impactful. And it's all smooth and it's all leading you in the right direction. It all feels really natural. Um, I felt like this was really impressive character establishment for a first arc without anything being pulled away from the story. So you, you feel like you're, you're getting introduced to a whole series of characters, quite a few of them, but it doesn't feel like this is so-and-so and this is so-and-so and this is so-and-so and this mm -hmm. is so-and-so. You actually get a really well-developed story and don't feel like, oh, yep, there's a first arc where you're just character introduction. Right, right. It was a very fully developed story. Um, I was really into it. I was really excited. There was a lot of punch. And at the end, I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and yet I realized that it was a very aptly named book where it said Awakening. Because, yeah, this is very much an introduction. That's so, very yeah, I, I thought that was my, without getting any into any spoilers, those were some of my initial thoughts. Fantastic. <laughs> who, who wants to go next? I don't want to follow that, but uh, I, I will. But unless Melissa <laughs> wants to jump in. Go for it, Melissa. Well, I just wanted to add on, Bronwyn said quite a bit about the art, so I don't want to go on too much longer about that. But she mentioned the fact that this is uh, black and white grayscale. And I actually just flipped through the first little bit of it. And what was really interesting to me is the, the very small amount that they throw color into the book. Mm -hmm. The first shot of color that you see is on page 11 and you don't see anything else until page 27 and it's all black and white in between mm -hmm. there. So that's definitely a powerful use of color. Um, I find the art to be um, very clean, almost simplistic at times, but I think it's really appropriate for the story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Greg Rucka, there's not, you know, everybody, I think everybody loves Greg Rucka. It's hard not to, but he builds a really fleshed out world in a very short amount of time, which I really like. It, yeah. Even in the first issue, you already know like what kind of world you're walking into and you understand where these characters kind of live. Um, and he makes each character feel like a genuine human being very quickly, which is I really appreciate because a lot of books don't do that. A lot of writers don't do that. It takes them a long, long time to make you feel like you're looking at a human being. Um, while we don't need to know everything about everybody up front to understand where they're coming from emotionally, he's really a wizard at building that knowledge without making it too obvious that he's educating you on it, kind of slips it in there. And I find that by the time you get to the end of an issue, it's, you, you know, you realize that, you know, this character a lot better, but you, you wouldn't be able to put your finger on exactly how you got there. So it's just a really crafty way of writing. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not usually into murder mysteries. It's not normally my thing. So when I first read the uh, the idea of this book, I didn't think that it was going to be up my alley. But um, it's really pulled me in with the kind of horrific sort of magic that they're playing with, I admit. Mm -hmm. um, that is up my alley. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, and the character depth is enough to keep me continuing reading this. Because I really, I actually find myself caring far less about the case that they're trying to solve in the story and more about getting to know the main characters more. 
I almost feel like the what what's happening in the story is sort of a backdrop to the character. So, yeah. Yeah, it really is amazing how even some of the more minor characters, uh, the, the two cops that work inside of the office alongside mm-hmm. Rowan and her partner, their names escape me at the moment. Uh, the, the internal affairs yeah. guys, Bellows yeah. and I wrote it down and forgot to write him down. <laughs> Bellows, Inspector Bellows. Yes. He's the big guy. The captain and just there's stuff going on there. I was actually reading in one of the letters sections uh, or one of the editor's notes just how much they enjoyed the the banter and kind of the the relationships that are happening in and around the book that don't even have to do with the, the crime or the main character's, you know, journey. It's just happening and it's all going to fit into the story somewhere because these characters are going to play, you know, an integral part in solving the case mm-hmm. eventually. And I like how they're quietly being introduced you know um kind of like massaging the reader for for what's to come and greg rucka is one of the writers that i know that can really do that he takes ensemble casts especially uh in the like law enforcement setting with uh his work on gotham central and building like a strong sense of of family uh within the unit and the loyalty and all looking out for one another and Particularly, we'll get into to this during some of the more spoiler stuff, but uh, the way Rowan and her partner are, they have tons of communication, but Rowan's still keeping things from him. And he's hes suspicious of her and, and her moods and where is she going? What is she doing? And uh, it's just really, really wild character building stuff alongside of world building stuff and that there's so much atmosphere in Nicola's art. And just that art style, like I would really have loved to have found out what mediums she uses. I thought I think I saw paints uh, somewhere, but like I don't think it's watercolor. It could be maybe oils or is it digital painting? I'm gonna have to check could that. Oh, it's probably that super book of yours that you got could over there. In, yeah. Why don't you tell tell everybody a little bit about this now? Because we've already brought it up twice. Okay. Um, what is the, the camera? They're not. They'll they'll be able to see it. They'll be able to see it. <laughs> <laughs> the first issue also came out in a magazine-sized edition, Ooh. which features all sorts of stuff, uh, character sketches, and so we get to see all the various more uh, just idea building uh, from Ms. Scott as she tries to sort out what these characters are going to look like, what the various tattoos and symbols within the book were going to do. It looks as if she's starting with pencil sketches and then coming in with um, layers and layers of extra stuff. Now, whether it's done with the mm. computer or not, we'll have to find out. There's there got to be a way to... Uh, when it actually looks like charcoal and, and smudging and stuff mm. like that. Because it is starting as a pencil. Oh, okay. Yeah. So th- this sadly, this first edition, which is only $6, is the only one in the five that came out in that oversized edition. And in one of the letter columns, they mention maybe it was the notes with editor Janine Schaefer, how much extra work everyone else had to do to blow the art up and the lettering and adding 20 extra pages of content in the back of scripts and how you move this through and a travelogue of Portsmouth where you should go, where you should go for instance, to buy ice cream. And it's a very clever pun about an old book, an old movie about witchcraft that was called burn, Witch burn. So their ice cream parlor is churn, baby churn. Oh, <laughs> 
Still not as good as our idea, though. No, we shouldn't say that. Or Why should not? we say that out loud? Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, we were at the last special edition show, Steve and friend of the show, Lauren Colleagues and myself, and we were at a restaurant called B, B-E-A, and they're showing old movies and movie posters, and we walk out of this place, and next door with an old neon sign is a funeral parlor with a neon sign, crematory services. And it just struck me that it would be a really great theme for a, for a bar that served fancy little sandwiches and great desserts and whatever, and specializing in ice cream and ice cream drinks, <laughs> and call it the cream-atory. <laughs> so then you could have death, death by chocolate. And, you know, instead of a white Russian, the white Russian roulette. Sunday, bloody Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, bloody Sunday. Right. A Sunday with lots of strawberry things on it. Uh, you're, you know, you, you get sort of one of those uh, flaming fajitas or sizzling fajitas, yeah. whatever. Instead of putting the, the, the tacos or the, the soft taco shells in a little box, you put it in a coffin. Yes. <laughs> and so on and so on and so forth. And we walked, I don't know, like 10 blocks coming up with great ideas. Of course, none of us have the money to go open a bar. No. <laughs> But we're keeping it just in case, so nobody better steal it. Because we know where you are. We can see you through the computer. I know you don't think so, but we can. Uh, if you guys have got any good horror-themed ice cream ideas, you can uh, tweet them to us if you want. And we'll steal them from you. Yeah. I'll send you my list in an hour. Nice. Okay. So that's uh, at Top Shelf Pod on Twitter. You guys can send in your, your horror-themed ice cream suggestions. Just for a little bit of fun. Yeah, we're going to have lady fingers that look like real lady fingers. <laughs> real nails on them and stuff. We'll make sure to credit everybody with their Twitter handles on the menu. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We'll just a little dash, a little at symbol. <laughs> everybody, will, everybody will have their little thing. It's like uh, when you when you get a sandwich named after you in a deli. Yeah, the Carnegie or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Bob, do you want to give us your impressions? Sure, abso Absolutely. I think this is some a great juggling act by this creative team because you have what amounts to a police procedural that is also mystical, but that at its heart, more than anything else, is I think everyone has said it's a character study. Mm. All those other things flow from the fact that you are introduced to some great characters that you want to read more and more about, and every new revelation brings you more into their world, closer to who they are. You're you within pages. You're feeling for Rowan Black, and that's not easy in this situation. She's a policewoman on a bad case, really quickly. Though actually, the first time you meet her, she's running out of a coven that she's interrupted because her cell phone goes on. <laughs> she is a she is a modern Wiccan practice. I was trying so hard in the last time that I reread this before the show to decipher what it is that her ringtone is. Oh, humming every, it to what song is yeah, it? Yeah, every now and again, like in, in in the Marvel books in particular, um, Spider-Woman's phone is constantly, mm -hmm. when when a different Avenger or a different hero calls, it's a different song. And I'm like, what is like da-dee-da-da-da? Like trying to hear it in my head. I think it's every little thing she does is magic. The, do you really think that? I thought that. Oh, that would but, be amazing. But we, you, you might have to... <laughs> Uh, scat it out. We're going to have to research that. We're going to have to see what it is. I, I'm sure it's somewhere. I'm sure this That would be winning there. at life, though, for sure, if that's yeah. what it is. Uh, it, it, here's the thing this is a book that has charms, no pun intended, of, <laughs> of, of every sort. 
It is exciting, funny. They're real people, despite the unreal situation they mm -hmm. find themselves in as, as we move forward. And that's Greg Rucker's stock in trade is just no matter how crazy things are going, there's a center. Yeah. Uh, now, Nicola Scott's art, I've been a fan for many, many years of Miss Scott's work. She did Birds of Prey with Gail Simone for the longest time. And her work in, in superhero comics is sensational. To the, she's so good at it that you just want her. She was just doing Earth Two, and it's like that—that's just a crappy book. You should be doing one of the the big boy books, so to speak. Her, the work in black and white is oh. so much. It's not, I don't want to say it's better, but it's so striking, mm -hmm. and it's it, spectacular. Yeah, that I I have a greater appreciation than ever for what it is she does, and it is those simple. It's body language. It's the way Rowan will hold her head. It's simple things. She goes to visit Alex, her her partner, her other partner, her mm -hmm. life partner. And Alex is simply smoking a cigarette. And it's just as she flicks it away, you can feel the motion in it. It is just sensational stuff. And that use of color that you talked about, Melissa, the, the first time where it's bright red. Little flecks yeah. of green as she casts a glamorous spell on, yeah. onto an object. Mm -hmm. When you see that, it's, it takes your breath away. Yep. It's so, the the first one is in, is in the eyeball of our first bad guy that we meet. Yeah. Uh, there's, a uh, tiny little, there's a tiny little bit of red seeping out into his eyeball. There's a, He's not a nice fella. Yeah. He he deserves that. There's some color in the candles as well during the ceremony oh, yes, at the start of the, the start of oh, the comic. Oh yeah, is there? Yeah, the um the flames are also. Oh, you're right. I see it. They look have like an orange glow to them. Yep. But it's still. Green. Yeah, like very very muted in the beginning until yeah. uh, when we talk spoilers, you get to one uh, like spread double spread page that is just one of those page turners that you just you gasp when you when you look at it, just like whoa. Mm -hmm. Such yeah. a, a drastic shift. Um, but anyway, Bob, continue. I'm sorry. I, no, I'm, I'm go, go, Melissa. Oh, no. it, it's also worth noting there's some serious shadow play in this artwork. There's there's pages that like there's just huge shadows cast across walls or behind people or underneath someone that yes. really makes a big difference in the depth of the artwork. Yeah, I love um, like you. Speaking of shadow play and stuff like that, I love kind of the the shadows, the way that they play across the features of the faces. Particularly in um, when we get to the the hostage situation, like the anguish and the confusion and and the pain in uh, the guy that's kind of running the show is just phenomenal. Like talk about like, art, just like characters breathing in your face and leaping off the page. Yeah, I, I was just looking at one of the pages from that scene with uh, with uh, two people standing in a room alone and the shadows that were cast across the room through the windows really gives the whole scene a look of sort of being separated from everyone, being alone and how empty and, and big the space is. Mm -hmm. It's a classic use of black and white in the way that old 50s and 40s film noir movies were, where that sh sun shining through a window at just the right angle, right. the Venetian blind slats made a difference. I remember reading, I was a, a Siskel and Ebert years ago, they were talking about how when they colorize movies, how things get lost and the meaning in the, the way colors and shadows are used. They're talking about Casablanca and mentioned that when you colorize it, you lose the fact that early in the movie, Humphrey Bogart's character Rick is always in the shadows. 
until he rediscovers his humanity, and then you begin to see his face. Whoa. That's cool. Um, so there's... I think there's a lot of that going on here, where we're setting the stage moving forward for some of these characters who we're not, we're not quite sure of. We're, we're not going to spoil anything yet here, but there, there are people who are seeing things that may change their opinion of other folks in this story, mm. both from the reader's standpoint and the characters within. There's so many incredible colorists working in comics right now and so many really impressive books that are impressive partially because of the color work in them that it's almost like striking to read a comic book that's still in black and white and be yeah. have as much, yeah. you know, has have as much chutzpah as a <laughs> as a full-blown color. Well, and um, I I'm a big fan of color. Like I I love color. I love the impact of it and the depth of it and just I find it really passionate and I just find there's a lot of expression in color itself and just the saturation of it and, and there's a lot you can do with shading and, and depth and things like that but but this there's the skill that's put into the amount of depth and shading and and color without without using much color is so impressive like I find it especially evocative on the faces when there are panels where it's so close up on just the faces. You can see so much detail has gone into the hair and the, the teeth and the lips and mm -hmm. the eyelashes and the irises of the eyes and, and the shading around the nose and the the um, sockets of the eyes and the cheekbones and these, I mean, it, it's it's not like the faces look real in terms of their realistic like a photograph it's it's like they look real in terms of you they look like real people as you said like the characters are have been developed to the stage where you care about these people and they look mm -hmm. like people you care about they look they look like people you want to get to know better or whose sort of point of view you want to understand better there's, there's something else that strike struck me pretty early on and particularly looking through the oversized edition uh, Miss Scott spent a lot of time developing the fashion looks of these characters and what the, how they're dressed. Her, Thank you. Right. Her, yeah. her, her ability to draw the folds in a leather jacket so it looks like a leather jacket yes. or a pair of jeans. Yeah. It reminds me of Dave Stevens, who did The Rocketeer back in the day. It is, you can see every crease, every little extra crack because mm -hmm. it's an old yep. favorite jacket. And that sets you right in. Okay, this isn't a movie. This is like real life. We're we're taking a, a, yeah. a glimpse at. There was um one of the things that I absolutely loved about the art as well was uh, you know, talking about the people and the atmosphere, but also the the buildings and yeah. like scenery and everything. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago on the podcast. I was talking about a book that I recently read called The Lost Boy by Greg Ruth, and the the black and white in that and that was all charcoals and paints and and fine pens and stuff like that and here you have such detail in like the brickwork and the roofing and the windows and everything down to like the littlest leaf on every tree and that they don't artists don't always take the time to do all that background stuff because it is such a character driven story that sometimes you can let that fade into the the background or let it slide mm -hmm. or maybe just not tend to that level of detail because you're trying to, you know, evoke so much expression from your characters, but it's all there. Like all of it. Every 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 panel, every inch is has that fine detail to it. And it, it just blows me away. 
And so every now and then there's one panel where there is no background and it's really evocative because yes. the lack of background is so obviously deliberate. Mm -hmm. It's stark and really, it really stands out and it's very communicative in its own right. Yeah. This is actually I, my first, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to go back and talk about Roanne's hair. Can we just talk about Roanne's hair for a minute? Sure. And mm -hmm. this fashion thing, because Comic book people should have better hair by now. And I'm sorry. I know I'm a stylist, but I look at Rowan's hair and I'm like, I've had that haircut. Yo, I've had nice. that haircut. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a cool haircut. And, and it's so fun to finally see, you know, besides standouts like Wicked and the Divine, you know, yep. books that are really highly focused on fashion. You never see characters that aren't superheroes with cool hair. <laughs> she's got an actually she's got a good haircut and nicholas scott does a great job of drawing hair texture and just making the texture and the movement and the the sweat and the nervousness come out in her hair because the you know in real life hair has a lot to do with what people look like and how yeah. they're what they're going through at the moment if they're nervous if they're excited if they're fresh and clean or if they've been through a stressful situation you know mm -hmm. So I was I was impressed Great by point. her hair right away within <laughs> a couple of pages. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, this is actually the first time I think I mean unless I'm mistaken unless I've read something that I'm not aware of but I think uh, this might have been my first exposure to Nicola Scott's art. Ah. And then she started working with Greg Rucka on the current Wonder Woman run, and that first issue was just I almost couldn't handle it. Her doing full color Wonder Woman is just it's. It's what you find in the uh, in the later pages or the scattered pages of Black Magic, but just everywhere, you know, vibrancy and expression and just so much more than, than you get from from some other artists and comics. Really, really good stuff. I will say the only book that I would have forgiven them for taking Black Magic into hiatus would be them doing Wonder Woman. <laughs> It was a pretty harsh announcement. We found out that yeah. this isn't coming back until what January. Yes. Whoa. Well, just have to reread it once or twice more. Oh, definitely. Not a burden at all. For sure. No. I wasn't familiar with her either, but I have those. Uh, I've got Wonder Woman now to read, thanks to our beloved Mara, who's told me I had to read them. So that's my homework <laughs> for Mara right now. She'd be right. It's so good. <laughs> it's so so good. Now we. I, I'll. I'll repeat this story in case no one. It's fine. Hey, it's all Greg Rucker related. It's all Go brand ahead. New. Well, it's Nicola Scott related in oh. that she nearly played Wonder Woman as an actress for a for a television show. She was the runner up to actually playing Wonder Woman when the CW was doing a show called Amazon about five really? years ago. She was going to actually play Wonder Woman. Interesting. What, what else, she could do it. What else has she acted in? Do you know? I have somewhere in Australia. I'm sure she's been in a ton of things because she right. is from down under. I'm going to have to IMDB her. I want to see yeah. what the deal is with that. But um, okay. I think I feel pretty good about moving into spoiler territory at this point. Okay. Uh, so this is your warning for all of you listening that just wanted to come and check us out, find out who we are, what we think of the book, but you haven't read it yourself. This is your point to either stop listening or go read and come back and listen to the rest of the show. It will be spoilers here until the rest of the show. Leave right. the room. Yeah. So pause right now. Pause. Read the book and come back because that is your best bet. It's a really, really good book. Oh, Bob is. I need a refill. If we're pausing. He wants more whiskey. I want more whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, right. Cast some runes, so I need I need a drink. So okay. we can we talk about the runes for just a second, then, because I laughed my butt off with when she put the Bluetooth symbol on the lighter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a great spell. I didn't even realize that until you yeah. just said it, and oh my god, that is totally what that is. I'm like, why is the why does the lighter need Bluetooth? Oh, oh, yeah. oh no! I am a product of my society. <laughs> It communicates a message. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> You've used about 70% of this lighter day yeah. for the month. <laughs> so, okay. So lead us lead us into temptations well, so we can spoil some stuff. Black Magic is uh it's pretty hysterical. I love one of the things I love a lot about this book is its ability and this goes a lot of the credit to to Greg Rucco, of course, that he manages to sneak humor into dark territory. You know, and not in some like moody dark way that like oh this is like black humor, man, or anything like that. It is just lighthearted laugh your ass off for, for, for a couple of minutes within such a very serious scene that we open with this uh, ceremony and ritual going on and Rowan gets a call that she's needed uh, at this hostage situation at kind of this uh, like Circle K-ish uh, restaurant burger joint place. Movies. And uh, What's that? Movies. Yeah, movies. <laughs> and uh, she gets to the scene and her fellow uh, officers explained to her that the reason she had to come down is because the, the guy holding everybody hostage, it will only talk to her. And why is that? He demands, he gets on the phone with her and demands that she's got to go inside. They have to speak face to face. Uh, no exceptions. He requests her specifically by name. Right. Yeah. Because they told me everything about you. Yes. Oh, so creepy. What a creepy line. <laughs> so Seriously. Right, uh, right away in the book, we're introduced to the fact that Rowan is a, is a practicing uh, Wiccan, and she uses it in her everyday life. She's got a secret panel behind her bookshelf where she keeps all of her, you know, knickknacks and, and ritualistic materials and stuff like that. But she doesn't appear to be using magic for evil. She's kind of just exploring with it and, and being a part of these groups. And uh, along with Alex, who yes. runs her, co I don't know if it is a coven. And yeah, Wiccan? yeah, okay, it's still a co okay. Yep, I would say it's coven. I would definitely say it's coven. <laughs> well, I want to be specific on the term. I, I, it could be. Yes, I, I believe so. Okay. Now I'm remembering the craft. <laughs> Me too. We're, we're gonna, <laughs> and later on, we are gonna chat some about things like that. <laughs> so she arrives at this situation. She goes inside and she's talking to the guy uh, that was holding everybody hostage. And he basically reveals to her that he was sent to give her a message. Uh, she tries to play innocent. I don't know what you're talking about. And he leans forward and whispers what is uh, to, to Rowan, her true name, completely th throwing her off. Her whole world has been turned upside down. And this is the first the first time, in my estimation, the artwork really, really explodes. This is the that double panel that I was talking to you about, where the Unintended. man is actually... What's that? <laughs> he explodes. Yeah, he's soaked in <laughs> kerosene and drops a lighter. But right before it happens, Rowan casts a spell. Uh, By my will, from my breath, the flame you strike shall bring your death. <laughs> yeah. 
So maybe not so not so Glenda Goodwitch as we would have imagined. Well, there's. Did you read the backup stories? I read two of them. Yes. Uh, that ties into it's in the single issues, and they talk about those other people. We'll talk about a little later who are showing up to do some bad things, good things. They go back to the 1500s. They're the era or the hammer which is the symbol that's on that lighter. <laughs> and they are they are charged with from back in those days seeing that which is witchcraft itself isn't bad in their estimation, it is how it is used. If it is misused, you're in trouble with them. They're good to go. So we'll see how this all turns out as we move forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she does beg him not to make her do it like Mm -hmm. you know she she doesn't she's not relishing this she doesn't want to do this you know like she doesn't she's not interested in trying to kill this guy you know she doesn't want to use her power this way pretty clearly i think there's a part of her that also doesn't want the attention that she's been she's been in hiding so to speak Mm -hmm. Because uh, there's a there's a question that I'll get to in a little bit about uh, exactly like who do we think she is and uh, other things of some such. Oh, absolutely. But uh, does anybody want to get into any like spoilerific talk specifically before we maybe throw around a couple of questions? I don't know if this is spoilery or not, but I just want to talk about that amazing family tree diagram in the back of the first issue. Sure, go ahead. I love that. I thought yeah. that was. It's like it, it it's just like a little piece of history and it really instantly gave me um a bit of outlook into her family and who she is. Yeah, that does tie into the backstory too because the family name Dunois or of the black right goes back into the 1500s and some of those ooh I I don't I don't want to spoil the back matter for those here in in the room or in the room electronically but when you, when you read into those extra stories the diary of of Gilles and he begins to talk about how that plays up there's a character who matters very much to him that I think I I'm hoping those stories continue in the singles moving forward who's part of that family and how this all plays in it is just Greg Rucka did a lot of research. He and Nicholas got into Wiccan and the witch hunts and all how that played out through our history. Uh, we'll get into some talk about that too, I'm sure. And that chart, it, when I opened up, it's the center spread of the magazine. So it's two giant magazine pages. Hmm. Ooh. Uh, I would love to see it in print. I read it in digital. So uh, Yeah, I don't know that I actually see it in the trade. I haven't seen it either. Yeah, I don't think no. it's in the trade. Yeah, I'm flipping through it right now for like the fourth time, and I, I don't and, see it. And I think, you know, not that you want to draw in the book, but I I guarantee you, knowing Greg Rucker's work from the past, mm-hmm. that between the back matter prose stories and the book itself, we are going to be able to fill in things in those boxes about all these characters as the years go on. Wow. And it is going to be incredible when it all links back together. I must admit I'm a little confused about the backstory, the, the story that's going on in the back matter i'm i've i've gotten a little bit lost on that i don't quite well understand who these people are or what their place is so i don't know how much we can talk about that without ruining the whole story for people okay i i think what happens is those 
that backstory is inherently tied into our present in that we're dealing with the Hammer organization who have shown up here in the future, their future, how that relates to the Black family. And since they are charged with finding malfeasance among the Wiccans and the witches, their eyes are around. Now, our lead was one spoiler for the book itself. The thought is, and I thought so too, that they were involved in what happens at the end of issue five. In the stuff coming from oh. elsewhere or whatever. But Alex says, no, they're from beyond. It's not them. They can't, they can't do that. If you read these, when you read these backstories, my impression was almost that they're, uh, they're, they were looking over the witches somehow, but they also didn't seem to be witch hunters. So I'm a little bit no, confused. They're witch investigators. Okay. In, in that, to me, they are... As they're a like the witch IAB. Yes. <laughs> that's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. Because they're just looking for malfeasance. Some, someone doing the wrong thing with the power. The power itself is not evil. It's how you use it. Yeah, they're looking at the practices of that yes. magic. And okay. so uh, if, she, if Rowan takes out someone who was willing to kill 12 people to talk to her, mm -hmm. and he would kill her to do it too, is that a bad use of that power necessarily? That's an interesting... Is she is she allowed to be judge, jury, and executioner? Well, so, that's. Oh, go ahead, Melissa. Go ahead. I was say so. So, is there is this the same association that we're supposed to be assuming is coming after Rowan because she doesn't seem to have misused her power? So, I get the impression that there's a there's a group of people who are coming after her because she's a witch, and then there's this backstory that seems to talk about these other people who are just there as essentially the FDA of, of witches. I, I think you're exactly right, Melissa. I think, I think it, they're, they're, they're both there. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brahma. Yeah, I have a sneaking suspicion that Era and the Rowan and Alex are going to end up having to work together against yeah. this okay. big bad. That's, mm -hmm. my, that's my theory. That's a good okay. theory. I'm on board with that one. I also got the impression that uh, I think both Rowan and Alex have been around far longer than given their appearance. Well, Rowan... Oh, yeah. Rowan, she made a point of it. Well, yeah. here's it right. She she actually says uh, six thousand years. Issue five. Yeah, uh, six thousand years. years. Of me and none of me remembers this. Right. Mm -hmm. So now, does that mean she's been reincarnated and remembers all those six thousand years? Oh, that was my impression. Yeah. Now, Rowan in the family tree was born in 1986. This time. Do we know has she been born again? But it actually says 1986. Okay. So but is that her current story, or is that actually her, or is like her reincarnated, or do you know? Like, is she saying she was born in 1986 because that's what her license says? So she's got a job, or right. is that you know, or was she actually reincarnated in 1986? Or that's how I know? that's how I read it. But to me, it could be. Like a could be any of those things, but I think they are definitely much, much more ancient, like soul yeah. transference kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, down through the centuries, wow. which will then tie more into that story from the 1500s. Yeah, 
as we there we may see their characters moving forward through the years. There's a witch who is burned at the stake. That our our young boy Gilles Gilles, I, my French is terrible. My English isn't good either. <laughs> so my question with Era though, mm-hmm. with this thing is um, now which issue was it where we first sort of get their introduction to them? Um, I think it's issue three. Okay. Where we see the the hammer symbol. Yes, and they are. You see them speaking a different language. Yeah, well, there's one speaking German, one speaking French. But they're not. Ah. They're not speaking French. They're speaking German. Hmm. So that's my question. Okay, so you see... And Stepan asked Lawrence, uh, English, please, because actually between between my French and uh, my German and your French will have nothing. And now that's what I was confusing me. Yeah. Okay, so th- now I can't actually guarantee I don't speak German, so they I don't actually can't guarantee that they are, are speaking German, but I do speak French and I can read French, and they are not speaking French. <laughs> okay, and I, I speak a very little bit of what they called Low German because that's in the family, but yeah, I I got none of that. I really have to go to Google Translate. Yeah, no, this I mean this definitely looks like German to me. I wish we could have yeah. gotten Jill on this. Yeah, because like I I recognize some of these words and they are definitely Germanic, so. They're a German-based language as mm-hmm. opposed to a romantic. They are, I guarantee, 100% not French. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, definitely so. Uh, so. I'm just confused by him saying my French. But here's the thing. That may even be old, old German. And this is what I'm thinking. So this yeah. he's definitely lying. Yeah. You know, either that or there's a... I, I'm assuming this is deliberate because it's Rucka. <laughs> Assume everything is deliberate with Greg Rucka. Everything, right. everything pays off eventually. And so I'm thinking there's something off about this gentleman, you know, because he says, else your German and my French will make this difficult, but he's not speaking French. He's so he's lying to this guy about their language Mm -hmm. confusion. So why is he lying? So there may be a connection with him and the big bad because he's obviously not a friendly gentleman. No, when he shows up in that bookstore a little bit later on, he's not the nicest guy either. No. No, and it's, he seems a little bit um, excited about the prospect of violence, which yes. is never a nice thing either. So that struck me right off the bat because I'm like, what do you mean? I had to read that page like three times. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean between your German and my French? Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean? No, you were, but you're not speaking French. What? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are blowing my mind right now. Right. Going through these pages. Like, and and, and we're also in the, the sort of catacombs that are in the backstory. Oh, I love that. I and, love this and, and the bridge that they're talking about. He had that dream. So I, this is one of those things. You need to read the single issues. The trades are great. But it's the single issues that have all this amplification. And look, to Image's credit, this trade for everyone, it's 10 bucks. Yeah. Of five gorgeous, spectacularly written issues that you're going to love forever. If they're only these five issues, if they never come back to this, you'll have five of the best issues of anything you've ever read. Hmm. It is that good. It's why it was on our best of list for the end of the year. It is stellar. Oh, for it sure. Spectacular. Right. But Image to get you a $10 trade leaves out. Yeah, twenty odd pages of back matter. It's interesting that the trade, uh, the digital trade, actually has all the back matter as well. Wow, it, it does. It has it has the the uh, the map. The map. That okay. He showed us it has all the stories. It has the letters. It has all of that stuff. But this wow. one, 
the, the print trade doesn't. Want want. <laughs> well, I mean, there's got to. I mean, I would say there there should be there's a trade somewhere in terms of of print versus digital. Maybe it's just easier for them to include those files. Cost nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So here here it's another in in publishing terms that's another signature. Mm-hmm. You might have to go another run through the print, which causes that book to be then twenty five percent more costly to print. True. And how do you sell that for ten dollars? Yeah. That that said, again, for anyone who wants to jump on board an image series, it's why they're always up on publisher of the year for us. Well, you get five or six issues for ten bucks. Can't beat that. And this one particularly, it was out what three weeks after. The fifth oh, yeah. issue it came was, out. Yeah, in no time at all. It was on the stands. No, that's it's just a brilliant story. So yeah, look, I bought the the issues, yep. and I bought the trade. Yeah, I have I have three, and then uh, I started doing the digital thing, and I missed okay. one, and then I fell off the wagon. If they put out a hardcover with with the all the extra stuff, I'll buy that too. That's what I want. I want. I love those image collections that they have coming out now. They have a few of them. It's like the the first two or three trades within one collection. Um, they've done it for the Morning Glories ones are fantastic, mm-hmm. but the I've seen ones recently for the Wicked and the Divine. A uh, couple of things. I'm waiting for them to do the Luther Strode one. That I want so bad. All three arcs in one hardcover book would be amazing. I would love that. Uh, should we dive into some of the other? events in this book yeah let's go i'm I'm curious to find out what uh what the group's opinions are on morgan uh what do we think about him do we trust him do we think that he's in league with either of one of the groups because he gives me the willies really yeah there's something about him that's not sitting right with me it's suspicious aren't you yeah it's something about like his his weird sweater that he (laughs) was so so you were you were oh boy I shouldn't go here I'm going for go it go for it so so you already knew because of the the sweaters he wore on television that Bill Cosby was a creep oh <laughs> <laughs> I am not touching that at all ten foot pole nope no <laughs> here's the thing with with Morgan okay the way that he artfully he comes off to me as very he's got some smarmasaur going on in there and he comes off as very caring he's very involved he is constantly checking up on rowan it could just be that he's the concerned partner and that's but it feels to me like he's he presses just a little bit too much in that he's not only trying to find out how she is as a friend but he's also trying to extract information well i think he presses because she withholds which you mentioned earlier yeah, she's got a yeah, right. She yeah. Go ahead, go Brahma. Um, I I got that impression as well that he's pushing a little bit because he says it at one point. He actually says, you know, keep something from IAB, absolutely, but keep something from me, never. Yeah. And I thought, oh, methinks the lady doth protest too much. You know, forgive <laughs> me for going back to Shakespeare on this, but um, yeah, I just I thought this is him expressing a thing that he knows subconsciously that she's keeping something major from him you know and it's it's niggling at the back of his mind mm-hmm. you know that he knows that she's a good partner and like 98 percent they're there but there's something there that's big that is between them and he doesn't know what it is that two percent and he can't imagine it's what it really is 
No. So to him, it's criminal activity. She's mm. tied into one of these baddies or whatever. Do yeah. you uh, do you think that maybe any times in the past that she's had to put a little uh, Men in Black neuralizer spell <laughs> on him because maybe he was getting a little too close? Maybe not in this lifetime. Yeah, I don't think yet, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's coming. Oh, now we're playing with this lifetime yes, stuff. Yes, we it's are. Opening up the opening up the sky. <laughs> uh, Melissa, what do you think? How do you like Morgan? Are you with us? Sorry. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I I just uh yeah I had my microphone muted for a sec. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah I think I think it's hard to tell just yet with Morgan. I, he's definitely it's hard it's hard to tell if he just has. There was a while I thought he just maybe had a little bit of a crush on her. Um, and he seemed like he was becoming a little bit intensely interested in her safety all the time and what she was doing and if she was mentally okay and if she was emotionally okay you know he's always full of questions and the fact that she keeps referring to his wife and keeps saying like say hello to anna for me yeah how's anna you know she keeps kind of throwing that in there leave me alone you've right. got a at, wife and she's pregnant right at first i thought it was just kind of a really unhealthy uh, closeness, which I'm sure happens when you're, you know, in a relationship like that as as partners in law enforcement, because it's the, you have it's to the work wife kind of thing, right? Well, you yeah. have to you have to trust your entrust your life to somebody, so of course you're going to become close. But um, I can't quite pin pinpoint if it's just a crush or if it's something with a more malicious intent yet. So, mm. but he's definitely nosy and way too concerned about what she's doing. <laughs> oh, you've got me thinking now. The two of you've got me suspicious, but I, I, I like, I like Morgan. I never, like him too. I'm not and quite it, his Irish fisherman yet. sweater and stuff. <laughs> oh. Never trust yeah. a man in a white uh, turtleneck. I should, okay, I should, was... I should have worn mine tonight because I have one of those. To Tom Waits land. Uh, never trust a man in a blue trench coat. Never drive a car when you're dead. Never. Do you, anyone ever see the movie Once Upon a Time in the West? No, Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns. Never trust a man who wears a belt and suspenders. Yeah, that is weird. You know what I just realized? What I think <laughs> the problem with the sweater is? What's your problem with the sweaters? I think I used to own it. <laughs> I I own one of those now. I think I have roll a... roll necked fisherman. Yeah, yeah, I have like a school picture or like a Christmas photo <laughs> of me wearing this very sweater, and it used to itch the hell out of me. That's why I don't like Morgan. <laughs> Well, now so you, we know we can't trust him. Yeah, not, a, not if he had my fashion sense back then. He had a, he had a very bad school picture, and so he's done. You're nothing but a bad school picture, Morgan. <laughs> uh, so, Bob, now you said something uh, earlier in the show that I, I. You expect me to remember this? No, I remember. Okay, which good. Is, well, no, good. A miracle of, of miracles. Okay. But you mentioned Alex and Rowan, you think they're together. You think that they have a relationship outside of the coven, just oh, yes. best friends, or they actually No, are I think involved? they're friends nearly to be involved, but not maybe completely yet, but I think they're I agree with very, that. very close. Yeah. Okay. I think they're exes. Oh yeah, oh. that would explain a lot. Yes. Okay. I think they're or... I think they're exes. They're they're very comfortable with each other and almost there's a little bit of like like a, a loving antagonism. Yeah, there's a little yeah. bit of like loving resentment and, you know, poking going on there. Yeah. 
But if, I'm looking at it moving up. You're looking at it moving backwards. And I, I think I, I well, I think what if I'd they're go with going with the like the multi generational theory or the the reincarnation theory? What if they're lovers in time, and they have this long kind of on again off again? Yeah, like even and like so a, comfortable they can yeah. nag at each other. And it, this is okay. not Doctor Who. Come on. No, I'm just They're saying, six, like, what if it's... 6,000 years old. What if it's None not even... None of remembers, yeah. Like, what if it's not even on again, off again? It's just always on, but it's at this point where it's just this comfortable understanding. Low boil. Have. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone? I like that. Yeah. Could be. No. I don't know. I kind of had a sister's vibe, but... <laughs> Could be that. We'll have to it's, wait for... for incestuous sisters? <laughs> Arc number two. Now, Steve, you just flashed past the page. You know, there we talked a lot about the hostage taker. Right. Should we tell what his name is? Go for it. Rowan White. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And this is one issue ends with coincidence. <laughs> well, now, do we think that because obviously he's being controlled. So do we think that the people controlling him? They chose him yeah. just to tip her off and freak her no, out? or is just to freak her reason? out, just to mess with her head. Oh, Just yeah. to mess with her. Well, and no, and I think there may have been something spell-related. You know, I think... Jin that, Yang? Ah, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of power in the name. In the name. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it, like, much the same, she reacted much the same way to the discovery of his name as she did to the discovery of the murderer minus his sinister hand. Right. And the way you create a, you know, a hand, hand of glory. glory right. right? So it, I think that the the Rowan White aspect was part of the spell. Ah, exactly. When he's when he says to her, uh, "You can't have my name. I know what people like you do with it." Yep. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> nice. I like it. Layers, 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 man. layers. layers. Like that. Everything Greg Rucka does, man, it's so deliberate. Yeah. <laughs> you may not even know it for two years out, and no. all of a sudden it's bam. Hey, we've been reading it since what last year, and we're—I mean, even in these first issues, we're we're shedding some new light, yeah. having some revelations. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me get another question going on around here. Okay, now she's mentioned. Alex mentioned something about six thousand years. Mm-hmm. Okay, posing this question to the group: Exactly how old do you assume Rowan and Alex? are and for that matter how powerful do you think they are exactly what? how old yeah what do you think Melissa? Mm, i don't know i hadn't really thought about their ages that much i i just assumed that alex was older and more experienced i agree but it's kind of hard to tell with the wiccan thing going on if she's just more experienced or if she's older because because I know I've seen stories with Wiccans previously where the idea of understanding the spells better or having more experience sort of, they sort of attribute that to being the same thing as age. Mm-hmm. You know well, what I, I mean? That I, I air of experience, yeah. You're, you're spiritually older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My impression, too, is that Alex is more committed to the Wiccan side of things. Like, she spends uh... more time kind of sort of in theological discussion and and spiritual kind of um just like just just not just discussion but debate and and thinking about it right philosophy the priest right she has that talk with the cafe with the priest 
exactly. But in, in addition to that, she also sort of compares herself a little, not comparing herself to Rowan, but um, offers the comparison with Rowan because she says to Rowan about how she knows that Rowan is out of practice with casting the ward. That's right. Yes. You know, I so think... clearly Rowan is a little bit maybe rusty. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe a little bit more reluctant to practice. You know, maybe Rowan seems more um, in the current life where, you know, Alex is more in the long life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I struck me that she would be more experienced if in, in regular human terms, 10 years older, mm -hmm. give or take. I'd love to have her. She's a school teacher, by the way, in the book. I'd love to be in her class. <laughs> yeah. I, I get, I the, get the impression that, Oh, sorry. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. We just started the exact same sentence. I get the impression <laughs> that uh, while Alex is more powerful, I think Rowan is more powerful than she thinks she is. Yes. And, and that's where this is leading. And I also think it would be really... Sorry, Steve, did I just say your thought? Dude, get I also, out of my head. <laughs> I also think it would be really awesome if we got to see like some glimpses of whatever other eras or places that they were previously, if they're going to do a past life kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that, I think that's where that backstory is going to start to moving on. If this is a continuing series that runs for years, like a saga. Yeah. I think that's all going to play in mm -hmm. issues that are half in the past, half in the present. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say to, to what Melissa was saying that I, I got the impression that Alex is perhaps more experienced, but in some way uh, Rowan is special. Mm -hmm. so to speak. The and chosen one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. She She's Neo to Alex's Morpheus. Yeah. There's she's a reason cool. why those fatties are interested in her, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like the Neo and Morpheus. That's, yes. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to look around a little bit, find us another question. Let me jump in on something. Yeah, go like, ahead. While, while you... I'll I'll vamp. I'll shop around watch. and you uh, you now, give us your uh, I I did some research by asking some people who know these things. Her tattoo, that symbol you see throughout, mm -hmm. it's got a whole bunch of meanings. Oh, does it now? The the circle in the middle with the two sort of parentheses ellipses on the outside. Mm -hmm. That's the triple goddess. Ooh. Oh. The triple goddesses. They can't see you smiling into the microphone. Yes, about yes it is. <laughs> well, it, it is the, the various earth mothers that, that create the power for. Yes. The, ah. the sort of U-shaped thing at the top, that's the third eye that would be in your forehead. Yep. Okay. That grants you extra sight and greater perception of the world around you. Mm -hmm. And as it comes down into the arrow that grounds you to the earth, where the power comes from and that little, the cross that comes in the middle, that's where protection comes from. Ah. ah, I loved when I was little, one of the, one of the very first things I noticed about one of my favorite uh, characters in puppetry is uh, the soothsayer from the dark crystal, the old woman that lives up in the mm -hmm. observatory with all the gadgets and yep. giant telescopes and stuff. And she has that third eye embedded into her forehead. And uh, I would ask my, my dad, like, what is that? What is it? Why does she have three eyes? Why does she have three eyes? And I can remember my dad trying to explain it to me in a very, like, Terrence McKenna kind okay. of way. And uh, it was it was pretty hysterical. But that's cool. That's awesome that you know about the, the symbology and stuff. Somebody else does, and I you just research. 
Well, yeah. since, since you're talking about people that you know that um, either just, uh, do they practice like actively? Semi. Okay, so it's <laughs> so it's a it's part of part of their life. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. The first rule of Wiccan is you don't speak of Wiccan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, have any of us had any experience with uh, Wicca or 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 Wiccan practicing coming into your life? Mm -mm. Any stories? No, no. I knew in middle school and into high school. I was growing up in the in the Nirvana age where all all guys were uh many of the guys were learning how to play guitar and several of my group there were about five girls in my group who loved to think of themselves as as practicing wiccans and uh some of the the fashion choices got very interesting for about two years <laughs> and uh oh man some of them took it very seriously and others not so much but one of my favorite things that i loved was um they would come into the. Uh, we had this one girl named Crystal Remelcamp who read uh, tarot cards for everyone, mm -hmm. and she would bring them to school. And she had like really super nice sets, and she would sit down at the cafeteria and eat her lunch and do readings for for everyone. And um, like I never really learned too much about doing tarot, mm -hmm. but she was always very enthusiastic about it. That made you believe in what she was doing mm -hmm. and and everything like is, that. Is it a great skill? It, it's very humanist mm -hmm. in that you have to know people and read people. And that's that's very special. We have a couple of shops down in uh, Port Jeff in the, the harbor town near where we live that is is dedicated to a lot of that stuff. I'm, I'm worried about it with harbors, though, as a Lovecraftian sort of person. The whole harbor thing and... Lots of things come from waterbeds. I know. Well, look, we, we're, this whole story is set in Portsmouth, which is very... Look, one of H.P. Lovecraft's most famous stories is The Shadow Over Innsmouth, where people prayed to God, and it didn't quite work, so they prayed to some other gods, <laughs> and it worked much better. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they end up sort of like half-fish people. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So not so good at the end, but they all got rich. My worst and they nightmare. turned into bloody great frogs, you know. So... <laughs> So you got to watch. Steve, I have doing a Lovecraft story. <laughs> yeah. I didn't catch either of that. What was that? Who? Me? Either one yeah. of you. Yeah. Either. <laughs> Missed both. I was going to say, I have a, a, I have a similar experience as Steve in that, you know, I had friends in high school who kind of dabbled in it and it seemed like a fun thing. Um, in, here in, I live in upstate New York in the mountains and it seems pretty popular around here amongst the spiritual non-secular crowds um people are there's a lot of like crystal shops and tarot shops nice. and things like that around here um in high school i always kind of assumed it to be a fun kind of spooky thing to dabble in um but i didn't really take it any more seriously than like playing with ouija boards or right. crystals you know so, but I respect those who do consider it more of a way yeah. of life and a faith because mm -hmm. faith is faith, whatever it is you choose to, to follow. Right. Yeah. I yeah. I think mine is the same way. I, I had a couple of people who have kind of dabbled in it throughout my life, um, with varying degrees of, of seriousness. Um, I'm not sure I've ever known anyone who was super serious as a practitioner or a believer but i've known a couple of people who've done a fair bit of research um as they've been trying to kind of discover where they wanted to place their faith um and i'm not really sure where they kind of ended up 
on that spectrum, but uh, it's it's only ever sort of been really peripheral to me. So mm. now, uh, take... um, oh, go ahead, Melissa. Oh, I'm just trying to find. Uh... There is uh, actually a podcast who a group of ladies who I met through um, my Sirens podcast, and they are practicing Wiccans based oh. out of based out of New York. Oh, um, it's called the Witch Files. It's spelled W Y T C H. The Witch Files, and they're really super nice ladies, and they've sent us messages quite a few times and commented on our po- podcasts. And I think what their thing is is that they actually watch film and TV and read books and they kind of give their critique of how the witches are presented in, oh. in, in, in pop culture and all these different realms, um, according to, you know, how they feel as practicing Wiccans. So if you want to look more into the, the real world of practicing Wiccans and kind of Definitely. see how they feel about something like this, I'm pretty sure they're fans of black magic. Cause I've seen them, uh, I've seen them post and tweet about it quite a bit. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Should have had them on the show. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, really. For volume two. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say for for volume two, we'll invite them on. We'll get a big party going. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I might be saving them. <laughs> <laughs> two different okay. shows. Crossover episode. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We got plenty of time. Multi format. Now, given uh, Rowan's witchy ways. What do you what do you think led her to taking a job in law enforcement? What would what would compel somebody of, you know, practicing witch to want to be that close to the action? But you're looking dead at me, Steve, so I'm going for it. (laughs) So here's the thing. But as we heard from the era and the, the hammer folks, you know, witchcraft does not mean evil. It's a different way of looking at nature. Mm-hmm. and how we interact with the universe around us. So as they, they talk about in the backstory about witches who heal and bring crops to fruit and all those other sort of things, rescue children and so on, Rowan is that expression of that faith. So I think it's just natural. As I think it's, I am a co- what they used to call a cockeyed optimist. <laughs> I believe the best in people. So that just because someone is a witch, in air quotes, does not mean she's evil. It means she's wherever life has taken her. So in this case, Rowan wants to do right because that's where her experience has taught her she needs to be. Look at you. Yeah. Look at me. I like it. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> I don't know that I can top that. <laughs> I, I think I can maybe Boom. add to it. Go for it. I went along the same lines, actually. I, I felt like the very similar feelings to Bob. I thought uh, one of the things that would have drawn her to that line of work would be um, the same things that kind of drew her as a practicing Wiccan would be um, speaking for people who like victims who can't speak for themselves, oh, um, yeah. you know, and uh, um, helping people, you know, like in, if, especially as someone who, like we had talked about before, is more focused perhaps than Alex in the now um, and isn't necessarily practicing quite as thoroughly mm-hmm. um, That's a great in point. her witchy ways. You know, yeah. she this is another way for her to kind of practice her faith, you know, is to kind of reach out and help her community and help her, yeah. you know. In the modern the, world, yes. Exactly. Using a, a kind of a different tool set. 
Ah, love it. Love it. <laughs> I'm looking at one of the answers for one of my questions and realize that I. You answered I, your own question. Yeah, I know. I, that, okay, and good. I, Melissa, and I what do you got? Well, <laughs> well, I actually, so what I referred to earlier that I was a little bit confused by the story in the back material about who these groups were or the, the narrator of that. I can't remember what his name is. The narrator of the little stories Gilles. in the back. Gilles. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you cover that, Bob. Um, <laughs> He's so French. I definitely got the impression from those stories, and this is going to go back to Rowan, I promise. I got I got the impression from those stories that there was a an inner conflict there, that that um that Wait. he was doing a lot of questioning himself as to what their purpose was and whether they were helping witches or whether they were putting them in peril or so. In my mind, I kind of connected that with Rowan and. And that she seems, although she's a practicing Wiccan, she seems to have her mind always on her job and on doing something different, which is how the book opened with her taking herself out of that circle yes. Yes. very quickly. She was, she didn't hesitate to walk away from it. So mm -hmm. I kind of thought, you know, well, maybe this is Rowan being in law enforcement was she, maybe she has some kind of personal conflict in how she's handling her Wiccan religion and how she's practicing mm -hmm. and Law enforcement is a way for her to, to do the right thing, right? While Just... still, while still being who she is. So I kind, I almost like connected her with the person who was narrating that story in my head. That is great. That is, I think that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's a new expression of the old idea. Right, like yeah. she's got a personal conflict that maybe we're not doing as much as we should, or maybe we're not doing it the right way. Wow. Woof. That's really cool. Woof. Sorry, sorry, Bob. I wasn't trying to show you up there. That was great. That, <laughs> that was, was awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, what if it's also like an extension of the idea of doing good magics and nature and the idea of protection and wanting to protect and serve and protect the people while also look you at know, you. Hey, <laughs> hey, I got, I got something. I got a fish to throw in the pan here too. Absolutely. <laughs> Right, but that's on how many police cars, right? To protect and to serve. Yeah. So I, I really sorry. like the idea. I know. I, just, I love the idea of it being a modern interpretation uh, for somebody who is looking to, you know, use their, their powers minimalistically, but then to also use the good in them to protect the people and then only use the magic when necessary. Look, mm -hmm. Clark Kent well, needed to have a job at the Daily Planet so he could be near where bad things were happening so he could see it and go and act on it. Yep. What better place than being a policewoman? Exactly. Right. Man, like if you get all the weird calls, all the stuff yep. on like, you know, APB, whatever, and, and if something is suspicious. Giant frog. <laughs> yeah, like if you, if you Fourth knew. Fourth in Maine. If you knew that there was magic in the world and it was real. When what... Buffy took the aptitude test. They hey. put her in law enforcement. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good point. Awesome. I think Greg Rucka is going to listen to our podcast and he's going to message us and be like, you guys are spoiling everything. You need <laughs> we to just... We it. We <laughs> warned it. We stopped. We stopped, telling, stopped telling everybody what's going to happen. <laughs> if a giant frog shows up at 4th and Main, I'm suing. That's it. We're going to get a tweet from him. Just get out of my head. <laughs> You're not so, allowed to read ARC 2. <laughs> I just want to share with you guys really quickly. I've actually been busy while we were chatting here, uh, translating that conversation in German. In German? Okay. What does it say? Uh -huh. So, and uh, Bronwyn's right, I think. Uh, Stepan is, uh, has got something to hide. <gasps> Ooh. 
So yeah, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing was basically just the conversation between him and the woman who seems to be some kind of secretary as he mm-hmm. arrives. Um, and basically what happened was she's asking him how his travel was his travel. He says, I came from London. Um, she says, you weren't expected until this evening. And we thought you were in Frankfurt. And he says, no, I, uh, she, he says, was there a tribunal? And she says, no, I was already here when you called. There was some investigation. Um, and she was organizing archives to add something new to the files. Hmm. And I wonder have, if it's a file on Rowan. Yeah. They, ha- they have something, Absolutely. a report from Alexandria was specifically what she said. And he says, before Christ. And she says, if you prefer, but I find blind faith. Uh, carries its own prejudice, and the prejudices of others can always be exploited. Woof! Said, Woof! <laughs> so there. Thank yeah. you very much, Melissa. That's, that's exciting. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for looking that up. That's great. That's that why is- I'm. That's why I muted my mic for a moment so that I could type furiously and translate that. <laughs> that's I amazing. Awesome. I thought you were off bike making out with Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Giving him a little uh, before bedtime smooch. Yeah. <laughs> Can I throw something in? Absolutely, yeah. Bob. Well, we deal so much here with witchery and the backstory <laughs> about the burning of witches and so on. We have two lead characters here, both female practitioners. At a certain level, the whole witch hunt thing was a persecution of non-compliant females yep, of their sure. time right no doubt so so here we're we're now as things have moved forward into a different era as these others are coming in to tamp things down or control the power of females i love that we're into this it's very political mm. it's greg rucka it's political it's a different <laughs> layer to it but it's there i think yeah Thoughts and comments. Well, there's always argument to be made that when there's a woman involved in law enforcement, that there's a power shift happening. Amen. So if you want to put another spin on why Rowan is a cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's not the only, the only female cop, which is nice. Yes. Yes. Right. And Alex is not a cop, but she, she seems to me to be not only very powerful, but she's got this, where'd she get this big mansion? She's got this yeah. big mansion and she's this beautiful a, she, stuff. <laughs> she's a boss. She's just a boss. And can she's we just the... take a moment to appreciate that this comic very easily passes the Bechdel test? <laughs> mm. Amen. Love it. it it's, well, it's two ladies who don't who speak to each other mm-hmm. and don't have a conversation that involves you know well, the fellas and it's Rucka, right? I mean, if you look yeah, at yeah. even just even just his recent history in writing Lazarus. Yeah. In writing Black Magic, first of all, Lazarus is ridiculously good. If anybody's listening to this podcast, really, really urge you if you're not already to just look Greg Rucka's name up and and just throw a dart and read and everything something. he's ever written. Yeah. You're in good shape. His Wonder Woman run is phenomenal, both current and before. I I just he he gets it. The only Punisher I ever got anything out of was greg rocket i need to own that run i always pass it up whenever i have it in my hands i need to get it oh oh okay so we're gonna move along a little bit because we're approaching the hour and a half marker and i want to get a and? couple things in i just you know some of us uh aren't quite feeling okay. that well and and we uh <laughs> 
we said we were going to make this a certain amount of time, but in okay. the future, and we, we have, need to we make have questions episodes. from the audience, and we have big questions to. to well, we got a couple of emails, we had a couple of yeah. Twitters, but um, there was one thing that I do want to touch on before we actually leave the book. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do some of these fun ones, maybe not the bigger ones, but um, so the final page, really quick. Let's skip all the way to the end mm-hmm. to that. Thank you. You mean we yeah. will, Tor Johnson shows up. Right. So yeah, okay. you get this crazy, crazy scene of Alex casting a spell to find out what's going on with the hammer being involved. And it goes horribly wrong. <laughs> and, Unders- that's understating. It, right. yeah, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> and uh, not to spoil it panel for panel, but we basically come to we end the book with getting look at like the big bad. And it's not one person. It looks like a league of just nastiness. And all I just the... <laughs> all the what? All the evils. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, all the evils. Little bit of um, little bit of Lucifer from Wicked and the Divine. Yeah, and uh, just a little bit of a cross between Tilda Swinton and Jonathan Rhys Meyers. Very yes. kind of. Uh... Well, that's that's my that's my take on it for sure. Because we always we've seen Lucifer take on so many forms, but most frequently appearing as an androgynous strong figure clad in white. Yeah. David um, Bowie. Right. right. David yeah. Bowie, Wicked and the Divine, yep. Constantine. Absolutely. Like, yep. It's always and and there's a league of tiny little devils around. Like how can yep. you not take that as oh, Lucifer? A little yeah. stuff going. On. See, but my eyes go right to Tor Johnson, the big bald guy with the suit and tie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah from he, Plan Nine from Outer Space. He's crazy. You've got this like brood thing in the background. Yep. You've got like Sludge Man, who's dressed in uh, looks like one of Michael Jackson's smooth criminal dancers. Yeah. <laughs> the Lair of the White Worm, or whatever's going on over yeah. here. You got little uh, yep. little Alice in Wonderland looking with the uh, her mouth sewn shut. Uh, yep. Looks like a grown up Wednesday Adams. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they're diverse, terrifying, and organized. It's, awesome. It's ca- it's Cabin in the Woods with a union. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> oh and powerful enough to regenerate from a bullet wound to the head. Exactly. So I'm getting the sinking suspicion that we're going to see a lot more of them. And I think that the these characters that we're seeing on these two pages in this big group shot are going to be our villains as they're kind of mm-hmm. dispatched into yep. Portsmouth to, you know, be the the aggregators of magic against Rowan and her, yep. her coven. They're going to raise hell. Yeah. And, and that's raise a little hell, raise a little hell. <laughs> that's where the team up will come between Rowan, Alex. Exactly. And the hammer. <laughs> yep. And they're going to throw down the hammer, of course. Ew. Look at that. <laughs> Join the union. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, go ahead. We're going to need to see some of their territory, too, right? We're going to need to find out a little bit more about where these guys are from and where they've been for the last 6,000 years. Exactly. I can't wait to see Nicola Scott in this style of art with the with the the deep shadows and the black and whites and everything do her version of an underworld where all these things are living like because right now this is just a crowded shot of demons and right. and baddies and stuff but like the when big you, caves and the river sticks yeah and, oh, like you yep. could see in the background like speaking of the shadow plane stuff like that where kind of lucifer if that's who that is is sitting at the chair you could see the shadows from pillars in the background i just i want to like a panned out shot to see just how big this like round table meeting room is well and i'd really like to see i want to see what's motivating them yeah i think it's i want to know what 
what has brought them out of the shadows after 6,000 years or more or however long it's been. I want to know what they've been waiting for and how what triggered them to realize that now is the time you know, for them to come out into the light that Rowan's finally ready or this, this is, this is it, you know, like this was the moment, this was the trigger. What was the trigger event? Donald Trump. Well, fair enough. <laughs> I think, I think it's a pyramid scheme. I think, I think it's obvious. <laughs> Lucifer, Lucifer says she's ready and they've got a group of followers there and they're at the round table. And I think it's a pyramid scheme. They're going to try to sell her like, Meal replacement shakes or something. <laughs> Someone's about to bust out the PowerPoint. Project. Get in at the bottom. <laughs> She's ready. She's ready. She's ready to get back to her pre-baby weight. And <laughs> She's got enough friends. She can make the money back. Yep. Right. Oh, my God. All right. Moving right along. Moving right along. <sighs> I want to know what are, uh, for the group, now this is where we're switching into more of our themed questions. What are a few of your, not not huge ex- explanations, but what are a few of your favorite films that feature witches or witchcraft? I'll let Bob go first. Well, okay, look, first of all, I could be really shishi and say The Crucible and Macbeth. Ah. <laughs> but but I won't. But yeah. I, I said them anyway. What is, <laughs> what, what is shishi? Fancy schmancy. Oh, fancy schmancy. Oh, pinky in the air. Pinky in the air. All right. um, His pants are the fanciest. <laughs> the fanciest of pants. Night, Night of the Eagle, which is based on a story called Burn Witch Burn from the 60s British film with Jason Wingard. Very, very creepy. Curse of the Demon from the late 50s. Black Sunday with Barbara Steele. Mm. So how about Incubus, which is the only film ever shot in the artificial language of Esperanto starring William Shatner? What he says, incubus, the incubus. He brought it with him. I have it. Of course, I brought it with him. (laughs) Oh, Bob, Uh, I love you so much. I've got a whole pile of movies here. Look, Witches of Eastwick is easy. Obviously, it's it's on my list. Incubus. But if if I'm picking a favorite movie for me that features a witch, not counting Elizabeth Montgomery as Samantha Stevens on Bewitched on television, which I've had a crush on now for 50 odd years. It's a movie from the late 50s called Bell, Book, and Candle, starring Kim Novak and Jimmy Stewart. That's a great one. There you go. Very nice. I like this. Incubus. Incubus. Evil has never been so seductive. It sounds like something you'd see on Skinamax. Well, w- William Shatner learned to speak Esperanto. Do you know any Esperanto? No. It's, a, it's, sort of a, it's a combination of Latin, Spanish, French, and English. That was meant to be a language that everyone could learn to speak, and sp- so we could all speak it together. Ah. And so far, there's like three million people in Spain who speak it, and nobody else. Cool. Yeah. But there's one other one I'm going to bring up when we talk about rough black magic has been optioned for television. Yes, it has. And there's a movie I'm going to bring up then. Oh. So I'm holding that one to the oh, side. Oh, withholding on us. I'm eh? withholding. All right. Uh, I'll go really quick because my picks are not nearly as classy as Bob's. <laughs> uh, Got to have the Blair Witch Project in there. Yes, I have so many just fond, fun memories uh, leading up to the Blair Witch Project when it first came into theaters, particularly not necessarily the movie itself, but the clever way that that uh, documentary was released before the movie 
-hmm. that they had everybody, even if it was just for a little while, thinking that it could have been real. And they had found this footage from these three kids that went into the woods and we got our hands on it. Now we're going to air it. And just the presentation of that of that footage, I thought was fantastic. I remember sitting uh, at a party with like 16 people in my friend's giant living room, all our eyes all glued to the TV and then going outside onto the porch to try and like hang out and everything and everybody being so paranoid. <laughs> Every little twig that snapped in the woods mm -hmm. outside of her, the perimeter of her backyard, people were freaking out. It was so funny. The movie was really good. Mm -hmm. The marketing. Yeah. Uh, yeah brilliant. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. For those who don't know, They've actually remade the Blair Witch recently. You make a face. Several people that A that I work with or B that I know that saw it during uh during SDCC weekend loved it. Yeah. And said it was fantastic. See, the thing of it is the Blair Witch Project is kind of a remake of a movie called The Last Broadcast. It is the Which is about the Jersey Devil. It's the original team that did the first Blair Witch Project. It's a sequel-ish. It's not a full-blown, like, we're just going to remake it. There, It's a supposed to be, Continuation like... Continuation? Yes. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard really, really good things about it. Uh, really quick, I'm going to throw Return to Oz in there, even yeah. though it's not a witch movie in particular. It has one of my favorite witches, which was uh, a character named Mumby, who was absolutely terrible. Who Very went, Dickensian. Yes. Went to Oz froze everyone, chopped their heads off, then turned them to stone, keeps their heads in a gallery, and on whatever day that she wakes up and feels like it, she goes and chooses a head from the gallery and walks around as that person from day to day. Wow. Yeah. That's messed up. She's pretty yeah. twisted. Uh, and just for laughs, I'm going to throw in Hocus Pocus with oh, Bette great Midler. And that one got my honorable mention. Yeah. Oh, Hocus Pocus <laughs> is so good. And uh, my favorite witch movie of all time still is the film adaptation of Roald Dahl's The Witches with oh, um, Angelica oh, Houston. Houston. Man, that, and yeah. uh, Jim Henson Productions lending in on, on the uh, puppetry and mouse work and all the stuff and the makeup. That transformation scene when they're all in that hotel uh, meeting hall and they the close the doors ever, yep. and they start peeling off their skin. Like as a child, that was wild stuff with like the long noses. I was an adult and it affected me oh, the same Oh man, yeah. the fingernails, the way that they could smell the kid mm -hmm. and uh, just such a fun, fun movie but still with like really twisted things happening. I'm sure that if I watched it today as an adult that I would pick up on a whole bunch of other nuanced stuff going on but um, great choice. Yeah, whenever, whenever I think of witches I always think of that movie and puts a smile on my face. So uh, who would like to go next? Um, I will. Okay. Cool. Um, so a couple of mine have already been mentioned. Like my my top pick right off the bat was Witches of Eastwick. Love it. Awesome. Absolutely my favorite witch movie for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, my sort of honorable mentions list after that one though is Practical Magic and Shut Up, I love it. It's I know it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Recently, I've wanted to buy it because I need to own it and watch it again. So I, I'm with you, Ramen, 100. percent Awesome. Thank you, because it's fun. Yep. <laughs> um, the Craft, again. Yes, absolutely. Just, that movie is ridiculous, but it's amazing. I love it. It's so much fun. Um, it was just one of those movies that came out when I was the right age to see it. Yep. And it was exactly what I wanted when I watched it. 
and so a, much fun. And a fun fact about the craft, uh, the lead actress, Feruza Balk, played uh, young Dorothy in Return to Oz. I didn't. Awesome. Yep. Look at that. Very witchy. Love it. Um, Hocus Pocus, because I just, I can't not. I love that movie. Um, Oh, what's her face? Sex in the City, jumping up onto the pavement. (laughs) Sarah Jessica Parker. (laughs) When she thinks it's a black river. Yeah. Oh, God, makes me laugh. Well, you all did that. You can't can't walk (laughs) on the green tiles because they're covered in lava or whatever. You know, exactly. It's the same idea. Um, and honest to God, and this may get me shot, but I love it. It's so much fun. And it's fun in the horrible, you go into it knowing it's horrible. It's supposed to be horrible. It's just for sheer cheese, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. Love, love right? that movie. I love that movie. I love that movie. Oh my God. I nearly peed. Yeah. I laughed so hard in that movie. <laughs> it's so much fun. So... That's my list. Jeremy Jeremy Renner, who Jeremy. has diabetes because he's eaten the the cookie house. Yep. <laughs> who has to inject himself with something that looks like what you pump up the basketball with. Right? He's right. insulin dependent right. yeah. diabetic. <laughs> oh my god. I remember not thinking very much of that movie. And my, my friend Mish and I, one of our things is to watch terrible movies together. And she's like, dude, it's Jeremy Renner. We got to go and see it. I'm like, all right, let's it's, go. But it's, that was not, my it's not terrible, though. I laughed my ass yeah. off and had to defend that movie to everyone yep. that had saw it and trashed it. And I was like, you guys are crazy. You're no fun. You're right. High five. Yeah. You're just, you're, they're wrong. You're, they're right. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> I just, I died. I laughed so hard in that movie. Yeah. So that one made my list for sure. And then my, I'm sorry, I'm guilty. It probably should be on this list, but I haven't actually seen it. Is Rosemary's Baby? Oh, one of my favorites. I've never yeah. seen that. So it's I acknowledge be. that that one should be here because I know by all rights that that's like one of the best movies, but I haven't actually seen it. So it's more Satanist than witchy. Fair. But oh, there, crap. there is a cover. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, Melissa, go. Is it my turn yet? Because yes. that was that was one of the first ones on my list, and so I need to address this: that a lot of movies don't specifically tell you if something is a witch or if they're just a Satanist. Yeah, you know, and there's there's lots of there's good witches, there's bad witches, uh, lots of magic. If there's th- if there's magic happening, I consider it a form of witch. That works for me. Right. That's that's my thing. So, you know. A lot of, I think Rosemary's Baby counts as witches because they're, they were, oh my God, I'm sorry. My they cat. Have, they is have that what's going on over there? Yes. He's trying really hard to sit on the keyboard and I keep trying to move it. So he's not getting in the way. <laughs> which, which one? Is it Darth or? Is... Yes. It's Darth Vader. Okay. He's sitting here on the, on my <laughs> desktop trying to sit on the, he keeps sending you little numbers and stuff. <laughs> so plus plus um, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I made my list with the thought that like anything that does some kind of magic that could be loosely considered a witch because sometimes they don't clarify if it's a witch, yeah. or, you know. That works. So can is go for said, it. You said some TV, right, Bronwyn? Did you say some TV? I don't I... know. Does TV count? Can I say TV? Absolutely. Yes, you can. I'll look. I mentioned Bewitched, so you can certainly okay. talk about television. Okay, because I want to say rest in peace, Penny Dreadful. One of yeah. my favorite favorite witch. Those the witches in that in that were amazing, um, and that unfortunately that show is gone forever. But it was amazing. 
Um, the Witch is one of the best witch movies I've seen in a really long time. Tell yeah. us. Talk to us here. What? I don't know that one. You don't know that one? No. Oh. Uh, I wasn't prepared to tell you about that one because I thought everybody knew about it. Is it no, new? I heard not... it was really good, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's uh, 2016. Well, then I don't know about it at all. It's about a family in 1630s New England, uh, which is torn apart by uh, a witch who lives in the in the woods. Oh, you and... got me already. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. You don't see the witch very much at all, um, which is as you know, I'm sure you agree with me, Bob, that some of the best horror films don't show you the monster too much. Um, Keep them hidden behind the door until you need to. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's this family who is they're sent out. Um, they're expelled from a I don't know what you want to call it. Um, colony. A colony, right? In 1630s, and they're sent out because of some disagreement with religion, and so they find themselves living in this creepy little house near the woods. And they're always told because they're told like, "Don't go near the woods. Don't go near the woods." And yeah, the 1970s. Don't go near the woods. Yeah, and there, there's something that lives in the woods, and it slowly and terrifyingly takes this family apart piece by piece. And it's it's terrifying for so many reasons because oh, it's. I'm like, in. I got to see this one. Yeah, they yeah. lose their minds. The poor children are brought into it. The parents lose their minds. It's just like it's this you know overbearing feeling of like seclusion that you're alone and nothing's going to help them. It's an amazing film. That's the best kind of horror, that horror of alone. It's The cinematography is striking and beautiful. It's just a beautiful film. It really blew me away. So I haven't made that, it to watch that since it came out. Yeah, it's gorgeous. You should definitely see it. Uh, that one, uh, we have to say Wizard of Oz. Why didn't nobody say Wizard of Oz? Yes! <laughs> no, that's... Yes, of course. Um, I'm going to throw in also the Harry Potter movies because those are yeah. some of my favorite. Oh, man, I should have thought of that. I don't know why I didn't think of that. What the hell, you guys? Uh, <laughs> I've, never, know, I've never watched any of them. So mea culpa, I'm, I'm... mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. <laughs> is that a spell in the Harry Potter movies? <laughs> yeah, well, it is Latin, so it could yeah. work. <laughs> um, I'm also going to say Drag Me to Hell. Oh, oh which... love. Yes. Oh. Yeah, that's an amazing film. I almost said like, well, kind of a gypsy, but a witch. A so, witch, witch on, enough. It was on my list, but I didn't use it. But I love that movie. Uh, Sam Raimi. I think that movie is one of the most watch. underrated horror movies in a long time. <laughs> it's the, so the, underrated. The seance scene with the goat and the, yeah. the gypsies. Oh man, yeah, it's that's amazing. a great movie. That's a really, not to mention really the gypsy movie. in the car with the stapler and oh, and just just to throw in something a little more kitschy and a little less heavy um i want to say snow white and the huntsman we're not going to mention dead face i'm sorry i can't i'm just nope, going to pretend she's fair. not in that film yep I think but that's fair. i love Charlize theron's witchy evil queen in that film mm. yeah now so. i'm just thinking of every movie with a witch in it and i'm like can we say the army of darkness <laughs> yeah yes we <laughs> yeah. can yeah. yes we can it's totally that that scene when he's down in the pit yeah. Fighting the, the witch in the yeah. water. That thing's yep. amazing. But then we can even talk the original Evil Dead with all those sort of possessed people who might be witches. It's true. It's true. It's true. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> uh, since we talked about film and TV, let's stay in the TV. And uh, surprise, surprise, Black Magic has been picked up by Sci-Fi for a television series. And uh, as we tend to do here, talking comics, we come up with fantasy castings for these shows. So I told everybody, pick as many characters as you like, 
and let us know who you think should play them in the television show. And it's important to know that no name is too far-fetched given the rate at which uh, big-name actors are moving to television. So there's no holds barred on who you can pick. Alive, dead, doesn't matter. Elizabeth Taylor. No. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm going to go first, and uh, I will give my three. Yeah, three. Okay, so... My uh, casting choice for Rowan Black is actually Anna Friel. If you Help don't know who out Anna Friel is, uh, she was the star, uh, female star of the show Pushing Daisies. Yeah, okay. Okay. I could see her kind of, she's very bubbly in that show. She's very mm-hmm. bright and very cheery. And that whole, that whole world, the whole world of that show is very much yeah, like absolutely. that. Very fantasy, um, Soderbergh kind of, kind of stuff. Um, no, Soddenfeld. That's what I'm thinking of. The, uh, the guy that did... The Adams Family films. Sonnenfeld. Barry Sonnenfeld. Sonnenfeld. Okay. Uh, I if you tone, toned her down a little bit, why fa- you don't have to? She, I I I like her. Yeah. I, I like her screen presence, and I I think that she would do a good job as Rowan. Uh, my choice for Morgan, is, which is uh, Rowan's partner, is actually Chad Michael Murray, who played uh, one of the officers in. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the officer, but in. Uh, Oh my God, Peggy Carter. Yeah, uh, Asian Carter. What was his name? Um, his, the the, the big chief. yeah, the, the big tall guy, blonde yeah. dude. Uh, we figured this out the other night, and I thought I, would I lost it, his and name. Now I don't. But I know exactly who I he know. did. Yes, absolutely. Like the big gruff guy that gave everybody a really hard time, yeah. and then turned out to be kind of cool mm-hmm. by like the end of season two. Yep, he got a medal for honor, but it turned out that he actually shot all those Japanese guys when they yeah. were had the white flag yep. and that's the guy that's yep. the guy nice uh my choice for alex who is uh rowan's best friend and uh partner in several things i picked jane levy she is a i've been recently binge watching the show shameless so it's totally on my mind it's a it's a showtime show starring william h macy and joan cusack and uh, a couple of wow. other oh it's it is actor central. Right yeah, I'm here, not yeah. going to get into it because I'll just talk about it for the next 15 minutes. I it's excruciating to watch sometimes, but the writing and character work in it is it's awesome. I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. But uh, she she has the look, she has the attitude, and the way that she gets to uh, gets along with the character Fiona, they just they have this synergy and, and and sisterly quality about them that I could see transferring over very well to something like uh, Black Magic. And the last one that I picked was the Mr. Han character, which is our kind of mystery killer. Uh, I would love to see Javier Bardem as, yeah. as, uh, as Mr. Han. I think he would be overqualified for the part. Get him, get him some blonde hair, get a little crop going on. Loves, loves doing stuff like yeah. that, right? Yeah. It was the haircut, up. right? It was the haircut. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. the haircut and kind of that almost like Lurchian way that han is is walking around very uh stiff yeah very yeah. stiff and lumbering and intelligent though and uh i think javier bardem he has the the gravitas to to play that character and he Nicely does done. a great job in uh no country for old men yeah. which which uh, i had in mind when uh when i was reading black magic people are gonna forever just be trying to give him that haircut thanks to that movie yeah yeah that's true <laughs> uh bronwyn what are your choices 
Um, okay, I went a little young for my casting choices on this, just because I find that people do tend to go younger than what they look in the books, because it takes longer to film. <laughs> um, I only cast three, Rowan, Morgan, and Alex. Uh, for Rowan, I cast Hannah John Kamen, um, who's the, the lead actress in the uh, show called uh, Killjoys. Um, I just, I think she is really beautiful but also capable of being like super badass which i really think that uh rowan can kind of encompass um kind of got that sort of vulnerability but also strength mm -hmm. um and i think that that uh hannah john Kamen can pull off that combination really well so i thought she would fit that role nicely uh for morgan since this is dream casting i thought Liam Hemsworth would do a nice job for that. He oh. kind of fits the look and would pull in the uh, audience. <laughs> um, and for Alex, and this is kind of, uh, I was, I struggled a little bit with finding somebody who I thought would, would cover the Alex character for me because she is somebody who I think looks really very young physically, but kind of old soul in the eyes you know and yeah, it's so gotta be behind the eyes i'm with you i actually cast chloe moretz who is quite young interesting i like that a lot yeah but i really 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 like her sort of stage presence mm -hmm. and i think she's capable of playing older than she is and i i really think she's got that kind of depth to her her center of gravity yes. is immense. She's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I thought that she would be, of all of sort of the young kind of female actresses out there who could take on that role and be that sort of, you know, almost sultry blonde that she's portrayed in the book, but still have, as you said, the gravitas to play that mm -hmm. role. Because I think Alex needs a lot of that. Um, That's I think... an awesome casting choice. Yeah. Thank you. So those were mine. And I second your your nomination for the the girl from Killjoys. She that, would be good in that role, right? That was my first pick in my head, but I didn't write it down. And then I landed on Anna Friel, and I stuck with that. Still but good. That was immediately who I went to. She <laughs> totally, totally has the look for it for sure, yeah. and and the the acting capabilities as well. Uh, yeah. Melissa, what do you think? Okay, go easy on me here. I'm terrible at these things. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to choose based more on physical features and who I think would be fun to play a role than, that works. than oh, how yeah. I think they fit necessarily. So I'm with you. I feel you, Melissa. Go for it. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> um, no. So Rowan, I cast is Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. Oh, she was on my list. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She almost... After I After I her saw down. her in Ted Cloverfield Lane, then I thought I really yes. want to see her do more like heavy dramatic parts. And I thought she would play that kind of broody but badass role very well. She does she does and, badass in a very minimal way. So I like that. And that's how yeah. I see Rowan is this not like it's not she's not like trying to bully people or be like, you know, her her badassness is from the inside and from underneath. And I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead could pull that off. Yeah, how very much. She totally made my short list. Um, Alex, I cast as I cast with Olivia Wilde. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Which is, yes, oh, yeah. yeah. She also made my list. 
it feels a little bit frivolous because she's no. so pretty, but I feel like Alex is like you said needs to be kind of sultry. She struck me as somebody yeah. who's very like almost seductive and soft. Yeah. Right, so seductive crazy. and soft together, and that's not easy to do, but yes, absolutely. Right. And oh, I always no, thought I think that's I was, a brilliant choice. I always thought Olivia Wilde seemed like an old soul too, so Yeah. Um and Morgan I cast Tom Hardy. Oh, well, um, of course. Yeah. No, he's I'm, got the look. I admit I was thinking big jawline. I was thinking like a nice big jawline yeah. and a tall, brooding kind of guy who wouldn't be, you know, overly intimidating in the right place. So, yeah. Um, and he brings the ladies to the young. So Exactly. Um, I, I also cast the gunman hostage taker as Steve Buscemi. <laughs> of course. Well. Nice. <laughs> that works. Because he's like always, it. I mean, he's always scary with a gun, right? It's, it's he's true. A creepy guy. <laughs> I had, I had my fingers crossed that Melissa wasn't picking me for that one. <laughs> so I'm very happy. Oh, your pants are way too fancy for that, Bob. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. My last one is a little bit of an old fart here, um, but Stefan, I thought Clancy Brown would be cool. Oh, Stephon. always, always Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, who's that? Um, I'm going to look him up really quick so I can tell you who else he if is. You, if you've seen him, you've heard him a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Animated features. I haven't come across too many Clancy's. He was in Shawshank Redemption. He was in Highlander. Ah, is he the one that was, that said Alexander Dumbass? Blue Steel. He's, like, the, he's the, the yeah. cop partner. He's the big he's guy. like giant forehead. Yes. And... He hasn't, no, it's not a forehead. It's an eight head. Yeah, he's got he's got like a big bony forehead and those yeah. kind of like heavy sullen eyes. Yeah. Who was yeah. in Shawshank Redemption? I don't know. I remember a prisoner. Oh, great! Thanks. <laughs> Amazing. That narrows it right down. I'll look it up. I'm helping. I'm helping as much as possible. All right. So those are your casting choices, he was Melissa. Captain Hadley. Oh, he the was the he was the main the main uh, yeah, like, uh corrections officer yeah. guard yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's like big, six big, two, big yeah, broad, big hulking back. guy with a big old forehead and. But there's a eyes. sadness. There's a sadness to him. Right. Oh my god, I haven't seen that movie in ages. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. Eh. 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 Uh, for another show. That's a yeah. That's show. a conversation for another time. Uh, Bob, why don't you give us your? Okay, look, I'm. I'll, I have visual aids. Okay. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to those visual aids for a podcast. You know, this is a podcast, right? It's not video. <laughs> yeah, but it's for us and people can Google it. <laughs> I'm going to start with Morgan. Okay. Excellent. And it struck me. I think of him as slightly older, but still put together. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, I do like Jeffrey Dean. Kind of craggy. Yeah. But a heart of gold kind of guy. Mm-hmm. No, mm. could work. Yep, could work. I'm gonna go nuts at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I like it. For me, I, I had a couple of ideas, but for Rowan, the movie was mentioned before. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunter. Yes. Gemma Arterton. Yes. As oh, Rowan. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty good, Bob. That's I like good. it. That's yeah. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, she looks even more like her in that photo. 
All right. Who's your next pick? Well, okay, here we go. I'm now going to even mention a movie that everyone here is thinking about witching stuff should see. For Alex. Mm -hmm. She's retired at this point. Because she hasn't worked in a while because she had a car accident and she married Danny Elfman. Okay. My choice for Alex, because I think of her as slightly older, is Bridget Bridget Fonda. Interesting. Oh, as, wow. As she yeah. looks today. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Right. And the movie that people should see is called Rough Magic. Hmm. It's based on a novel called Miss Shumway Waves a Wand. <laughs> she plays a magician's assistant, and some bad stuff happens, and she goes on a search for real magic. Ooh. It's set in the 1940s, so it's a film noir Detective mystical quest movie. Russell Crowe as the 40s detective. Jim Broadbent. Rough magic. And he's got it here with him, folks. All I love prepared. it. It is hysterically funny. It is touching. You'll cry. You'll laugh. And is it better than cats? <laughs> I, I think it is much better than Cats. It is a movie I've recommended this film to a lot of people. And 70% of people absolutely love it and get it and are, thank you for introducing me to this lovely little film. 30% say, that is the worst piece of crap I've ever seen. <laughs> so... Fair enough. <laughs> But it is. They got through that with. Well, they got through it. They didn't like it, but they got through it. (laughs) But it is a lovely little film, and it's a little bit of everywhere. All right. So, how about. What's our consensus opinions? Do we have any? Uh, No. For casting, we have like 14 different people. What? Nobody cast Benedict Cumberbatch for anything? Or Michael Fassbender. (laughs) You know. He goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mia that, Kunis used to go everywhere. I was I was close with Michael Fassbender. I'm gonna admit I was close. What for Rowan? I pulled him out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Oh man. So that's all your castings, huh? That's it. Yep. All right, you guys. Awesome. Uh, we. I would actually. I would like to take just a moment and uh, thank our loyal listeners of the many talking games uh, games comics podcasts and our Twitter followers and Facebook followers and all that stuff. Uh, we asked for your opinions about black magic, whether it be through email or Twitter and people came out in droves. We got a lot of stuff the last couple of days and uh, seriously for our first episode, first time out uh, sincerely, thank you for, for getting involved and for writing in and letting us know what you think. Uh, we have this first one, an email from uh, some woman, Carolyn, Carolyn Coca, anybody? Uh, Never heard of her. her. I don't know. She's always hanging. She's always hanging around. I'm I'm so bad with names, but I don't know. That one seems a little bit familiar to me somehow. When we had the (laughs) the Talking Comics office in Comac, sometimes she'd just barge in and pull herself up a chair. Completely uninvited. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Carolyn writes, famous authoress. Yes. yes. Rucka's words are fantastic and Scott's art is gorgeous. Each issue builds a unique supernatural story about a cool motorcycle riding Wiccan detective and the interesting people in her life. I can't wait for the next issue, but I'm okay with waiting uh, due to Wonder Woman. Two little things I especially appreciated. Uh, Rowan's undergarments are practical. And <laughs> and I like that. Yes. And Anna's response when she's asked if she's ready uh, to be a parent. I'm ready to have this baby outside of me. She says, I've been there. <laughs> Best wishes on your first new book club. And then there's a whole bunch of emojis that from here look like hearts and dinosaurs. And maybe a tree. Awesome. I can't tell. <laughs> uh, we got another email from uh, Christopher Staff. He says, hey, guys, thanks for bringing back the uh, the book club section and creating a whole new podcast around it. You are very welcome. Uh, I'm very excited about the books uh, you have planned. Thank you very much. Says uh, the first choice, Black Magic Volume 1, was on my reading list for a very long time, and you guys got me to, uh, to read it at last. So thank you very much for that as well. Besides the very good story and strong and interesting characters, which they build around this occult community, I was most impressed by the art, especially when it came to the drawings of the eyes and faces. I could, uh, I could use every single one of them as a poster on my wall. The details are awesome uh, when you read it, and you just have to stop. Take a moment and enjoy the beauty of it all. Yes. In combination with the reluctant use of color, I can't wait to read uh, the next story arc. Best wishes. Awesome. Thank you very much, uh, Christopher. We appreciate it. And then we got uh, a bunch of tweets. That I'll, uh, I'll read out real quick. So Ninja Meegs, who is at Meegsy3 on Twitter, says, Oh, my God, you have to do a long walk to Valhalla for the TC Book Club. So that is definitely a book that uh, we have put on our list. What, just so people know, what we're doing is uh, we're actually doing like a round robin situation where each one of us is going to uh, pick a book for, you know, the month and uh this month was melissa's pick mine's uh will announce it at the end of the show uh my pick will be next month and then we'll decide bob and bronwyn and just for a little bit of spice once we get you know listeners and feedback rolling we're going to have uh suggestions come into the podcast oh, and then great. maybe do a voting whether it be public voting on twitter or we vote as a group or both uh, just so that way we can we can get you know interactions with our listeners and stuff like that beyond just the tweets and emails. Beavis and Butthead Volume One. I think we should consult the Ouija board. Or we could do that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm for that. So uh, Kelsey, who is at Kelsimus on Twitter, says excited for the book club, you guys, and uh, thank you very much, Kelsey. Maddie P who is back issue blog says writing development uh, of place and back matter material is outstanding. And he also says uh, Nicholas Scott is uh, Nicholas Scott's art is mind blowing throughout. Fantastic visuals with a stellar use of color. Uh, can't recommend enough. Then we have Leo. <laughs> I love his name. Who is at Leo is an alien on Twitter. <laughs> nice. Says uh, hashtag TC Book Club. I really enjoy the art and the coloring. Nicholas Scott is awesome. I think we all agree. Yes. Uh, Chris McLean, who is CJ McLean on Twitter, says, fell into the uh, fantastic Grayson hole recently. Then I was, uh, so I was late starting Black Magic, but two issues in, and I am absolutely loving it. 
awesome. Just wait till you get to the other three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Chris McLean again says, great main character, fantastic, distinctive art, and a very intriguing storyline. It's going to be another late night tonight. Yeah. Chris McLean again, as he's gotten to issue four, comes <laughs> Mayhem Muller, who is at uh, Metamani on Twitter, says such a uh, such a good first volume from front to back. Awesome, and it looks like that's it for Twitter remarks. I thought that was one more, but I'm scrolling and I don't see anything. So I have a remark. Go Steve, for it, Bob. Steve asked a question that we didn't get to. Oh, I forgot all about it. So go for let's, it, Bob. let's go for it. All right. Should I do a voice? <laughs> do a voice. Go for it. An old beggar woman approaches you in the street <laughs> and asks you for a bit of food and some drink. You respond by purchasing for her a healthy meat, meat. healthy meal. <laughs> I don't have my magnifying glass and some water. <laughs> To thank you for your... Well, she might purse you a healthy Just meat. read it your own way. You'll be much better off. <laughs> thank you for your kindness. The woman offers to grant you the use of three magical spells of your choosing. You will be permitted to use these spells until your dying breath. What spells do you choose, Steve? <laughs> I choose advanced teleportation. <gasps> and by advanced, I mean not just teleportation basic model where just I can go in and out of wormholes into different places. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to bring people with me. I want it that if you're holding on to me, that you can come with me. I, I like want that. that if I'm holding something, if we need to bring some luggage, I want to be able to bring that luggage. <laughs> oh, come on. What carry-ons? You want carry-ons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and those portals don't come cheap. Exactly. Okay. Um. For, for selfish reasons, because I'm not going to act like money is not a thing in this world, and I would very much like more of it, uh, I came up with a mask currency spell in that I can take whatever money I've earned and I can cast a spell over the bills so that they appear to look like something else. So I'm still giving them money, I'm just not giving them the correct amount of money. So I can turn a so $1 bill into a $100 go, yeah, okay. bill. And uh, you know exchange rates and all that. Yeah, I get that. It's a crafty way to rationalize being but, a criminal. Yeah, but I've got million mark <laughs> notes at home. I can go exchange those. The current exchange rate you're saying. Well, there's so many. There's yeah. so many like little things about these spells because you really got to break them down. My last one would well, be uh, for the ability to cast heal. But here's the thing: if, heal meaning your foot. Your no, foot well, is yeah, heal my you. foot. I heal mean, Brahman's yeah. concussion. Yeah. You know, whatever you arthritis, whatever you got going on, and he didn't get that at all, did he? <laughs> the problem heal is... with two e's. Heal. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, Bobby's not here. I can pun as you much can as pun I want. As much as you like, I am a very, very big advocate of the. Okay, pun. good. But you have to think about it because if you went around and started healing people, people are going to get suspicious. And then if you were found out, then you have people coming to you. And before long, you're just, you can't get a moment's peace. Yeah. So I'm looking for some kind of heal, but also some kind of like memory augmentation that I can heal you. But it, it kind of happened it? by natural means. You don't really yeah. know how it went on, except for the people closest to you that know about the power. Others just kind of receive the, the, the healing the and then go about their lives. Yeah. So those are my great, thoughts. great addition. I like that. Yes. Melissa, we're going left to right. Oh. 
Am I on the left? <laughs> okay. You're to, you're, to um, you're to Steve's right as I'm looking at the okay. screen. Okay. Whatever you say, Bob. Um, <laughs> I'm choosing invisibility because uh, I have a three-year-old and I would love to be invisible <laughs> I knew sometimes. That. I knew that. <laughs> I just want to disappear sometimes. <laughs> just let me disappear. Um, <laughs> I also... Yes. The rest of my choices are basically the same as Steve's, except for I wasn't, I didn't think them out quite as well. Um, I said turning fruit into money. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard that. Brilliant. I just tried to think of something I could easily get and turn it into money. So <laughs> fruit was what I came up with. Um, and transportation to locations. And I did not think about needing to bring luggage or anybody else with me. I just want to get there fast. See, in, in my house, I want to turn dust bunnies into money. <laughs> if, if I could turn pet hair into money, then I exactly. would have that. <laughs> right, you've added pets continually lately, right? Now that you have a home, a big house. Well, not continuously. I mean, I have, we have a, we've always had the dog, and now we have the two cats that we added. Oh. So, yeah. Unless you count my kid as a pet, which I do. So. Well, he has he has hair. So he does. Counts, yeah. And he bites. It's about the same cognitive level as your pet. He growls so. and bites, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bronwyn, how about you for three three okay. witches? Well, I had the same teleportation spell as Steve for obviously the same reasons. <laughs> so, Living in separate countries, yeah, that could work. Yeah, yeah, so that's the same. And then uh, my other two spells are actually um, spelled items. So I, I, I kind of went off the beaten path a little bit on that one. Um, so I went with a bag of holding, um, oh. kind of like a Mary Poppins style thing yeah. where, you know, where you have the bag and anything you want, you just reach in and you grab it. Felix oh, the cat's man, that's bag of magic there. Yeah. Yep. That, yep. And so like it's bottomless and endless and whatever. And you just think about what you want. You reach in and it's it. There. Purple Marx's coat. It yeah. It's the whole, whatever you need. Character in Hellcat. Yes. That, that has the bag. With the bag. Well, that's based on Felix. Okay. So bag of holding and my third one was a cornucopia so the same idea uh, about food so that whatever you wanted see that's really food. smart because then you've got endless opportunities yeah i figured that was you know you never go hungry and you always have what you need awesome love it bob you are smiling i'm quite smiling widely. are we ready are you, are you grimacing no so well, that's I'm, I'm i've got gas oh <laughs> <laughs> You'll be old too someday. You'll see. <laughs> okay, I have three. I have three. Okay, three and only three. Enough wealth to live comfortably. Mm -hmm. Enough health to enjoy the comfort Excellent. that that provides. Enough happiness from the experience to enjoy to to make life enjoyable. Man, you are just a greeting card right now. <laughs> that was lovely. Thank you. That was lovely. It was like a little little wish poem. Yeah. It's a haiku. I love it. <laughs> no, it's no, it's not. But I'll say it's a haiku. That's awesome. Very, very lyrical, Bob. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. So, uh, all right. So there you go. So there's there's our uh, three spells or three wishes, however, three powers, however you want to do it. Uh, we are going to be wrapping this thing up shortly, but before we get out of here, uh, I want to take this time to 
introduce you or to announce our next book for the uh, podcast. Getting ready to write it down. All right. I'll give everybody time to get their pens. No, and paper and... Oh, what's going on? We honeymooners. Shooing... You never watched the honeymooners? I did watch the honeymooners, but I thought that you were shooing away ghosts. Just no, now. it's all right. Ed Norton can't just write things down without like preparing. <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. So the date is to be announced because uh, we haven't discussed it yet, but you could be sure that it'll be happening. I'm pretty uh, disgusted, I'll tell you. Sometime <laughs> towards the end of next month. And uh, so our second book for episode two of the Top Shelf Comic Book Club podcast is going to be Grant Morrison and Sean Gordon Murphy's Joe the Barbarian. Who? Joe, oh, what? Jeez, Grant Morrison. Oh. Yeah, I know, Melissa. I know you can't stand it. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have so much to talk about with that. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I talked. I talked about it on the podcast. Uh, I don't pay attention when you're talking. About oh my it. god! Oh, oh that's <laughs> my What? What the barbarian? Joe, Joe the, the barbarian. barbarian. No, it was about a year and a half ago. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Joe Just, the barbarian. I. I, I He's just having fun with me. Yeah. This is different than Conan. Yes, this is very different. As than opposed Conan. to Hank Johnson, Asian of Hydra. Yeah. <laughs> so Joe the Barbarian, it's from Vertigo, and uh, it's Grant Morrison and Sean Gordon Murphy. Like I said, we will be punk rock Jesus, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Gordon. See, uh... I you think I don't remember these things? No, I know you know who he is. Tokyo Ghost, right? Yes. Oh, I love his art. Yeah, oh the, art, the art in this book is absolutely spectacular. Uh, I've already read it. It's one of my favorite things that I've read in recent years. And uh, it'll definitely ignite some uh, some conversation for sure. Uh, so that's going to be it for our first episode of the Top Shelf Comic Book Club podcast. Uh, I would like to thank my incredible co-hosts for sharing this experience. And for all of you listening along out there in Radioland. Uh, if you're looking to get in touch with us, we are at Top Shelf Pod on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with us long form in an email, it is bookclub at talkingcomicbooks.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with any of us online, you can uh, find me through Twitter. My handle is at dead underscore anchoress. Melissa? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lissa Punch. Bronwyn? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at shinybabyb. And Bob, where can people I'm find you? I'm usually behind Hoptron and Patchogue by the dumpster. And <laughs> 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 you can just throw a paper bag and I'll answer. <laughs> Bob, a letter in the mail, put a stamp on it. <laughs> You know, of all the people that we invited onto this thing, I didn't know that you were going to be the derailer. <laughs> but I'm glad that it's you. Here. You're, you're, thank you, boss. Stealing my thunder, man. <laughs> Bob Breyer at TalkingComicBooks.com. There you go. Uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us. We had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and uh, we hope to bring you more awesome podcast content in the future. And that's, that's it. That's right. We're out of here. That's your that's your clothes. I was reading. You had like three phone. years to come up with a clothes, and that's what. Woo! I was reading. There you it go. On my phone and then I got lost. Woo!